When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Breakfast on SEN. Good morning, everybody, and welcome. Great to have your company here. SEN Summer Breakfast. It is Wednesday. It is January. It is the 10th of January, 2024. Hope your days started well. The McCafe menu today and over the course of the next three hours here, thanks to our official coffee partner. Just a little bit fascinated about the story of Harvey Lewis. Who's Harvey Lewis? Well, he's a late 40s Ohio ultramarathoner who just won an event called the Big Dog's Backyard Ultra Race uh, last year. And I can't wait to have a chat to Harvey. We'll get him on the line from the States later on. Ooh. Simon Kadich, SCN cricket expert, will be with us. BP, as we continue the countdown to this year's edition of the Australian Open. Questions without notice. So much to get to. So little time. The volcano is here. Of course, he is the Port Adelaide icon. Kane Corns, welcome. Oh, it's a very good morning to you, Sammy, and it's a good morning to our magnificent audience just on news.com. And haven't haven't we made waves already? Like, What's happened? Johnny, John Buchanan, they've written up oh, the story about how he doesn't think David Warner is a great. Saw that. And then I've scrolled down, and there's a picture of me alongside Ricky Ponting with a headline, <laughs> Have a Sook, Corns Torches Ponting. <laughs> Oh, look at the problem here. Oh, it's a great pleasure to just sit back and watch it all unfold. So I've, I've cruised into work on a Wednesday oh. and uh, I've, I've lined up Ricky Ponting. I'm not sure that headline is reflective of exactly um, the tone of the discussion that Have we had soup. yesterday on, on, on BBL pitches. I just think that batsmen have become too precious and we need more of a contest between bat and ball. Oh. And that is interesting to me rather than everyone making 200. And Ricky was, uh, yeah, having a whinge about the pitch. But, yeah, I, we'll see if he returns. Do you think he'll return, serve? Oh, I was going to say, when's the text come from him, I reckon? I mean, what, what, you're just easing into things, aren't you? It's January the 10th, just easing into it. Who's in the gun today? Oh, <laughs> oh no boy. One. I love it. I love it. Uh, what did you get up to stay. yesterday? Much yesterday? Nothing yesterday. Uh, went for went to the gym, actually. I've, oh, I've got a new routine. I'm trying to do four sauna sessions a week. Why is that? Because I thought you were I've trying been... to add some size. Wasn't that all? Yeah, of... but I've been told, and I've read some things, I don't know if they're true, that <laughs> saunas are quite good for you, quite good for your cardiovascular health and, and other things. So I've been trying to do that. So I went for a run yesterday, sauna, went home, watched a bit of the college football, which was which was kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just around home. What what about you? What do you get up to? <sighs> Nothing fancy. Uh, summer days. Just What's a f- the weather doing? Oh, over there? it was finally good. Yes, as a belter in Melbourne yesterday. No, just a, a family bike ride with the kids. A young fella got a new bike, so we're off on a family oh, bike nice. ride trip to Bunnings for some plants. Start them young. Yeah, actually, got to give the Bunnings crew a big pump up here. Home improvements and handyman work, not my forte, as uh, Simon O'Donnell found, and uh, to, to great delight last year. But they are a magnificent help, and uh, we went back there yesterday and loaded up for the. For the garden, I've got the olds coming over today, so we're firing up the pizza oven, so out, nice. uh, out shopping for that yesterday. And the other thing, oh, th- this is all the things I've got time for. I don't know about you, Kane, but uh, the time it takes me to delete and ignore the scam calls and texts that I get now on a daily basis. Really? Out of control. Uh, failed Australia Post delivery, CityLink tolls unpaid, all total oh. scammers. I think, man, thank goodness, I feel for the 
elderly portion of our society who must get bombarded with these and, and tip into them all the time. It's you block one and another dozen come in. Yeah, I, I, and, and doesn't matter what happens. I always have a moment to think: is that is that real? Oh, like it's bad some, at the some of them look legit. And now you, now I'm getting phone calls as well, like from from Sydney numbers. But uh, it is yeah, it is bad. Hey, um, Jeremy Cameron has proposed. Yes. To his lovely partner, what what strikes me with these proposals is that it was filmed. So I was on the beach, the little little baby's there, and he gets down on one knee, and it's yeah, filmed. Who filmed does it. the film? Who does the filming? I think he'd set it up for a selfie for a family photo. So he'd, right. he'd, he'd, he might have had it on a tripod or something, and he's preparing to take the photo. They take the photo, <clears throat> pardon me, and then he gets down as a surprise okay. on, on one knee as a shot. So he's taken the tripod to the beach. That's not suspicious at all. And today, hang on, we're just well, going to take the, just gonna take family the tripod photo. down. Yeah, but how many of you go and take a tripod oh, to the beach? Indiana looks shocked. Oh, she looks surprised <laughs> to me. Okay, I was, well, I was wondering, because I do see a lot of, these proposals online, like mm. it's, it's the new thing to, to actually film yeah. them. I always yeah. wondered who who films them, but <laughs> you've just solved the puzzle. You think it's, it's this self timing camera? Yeah, I think so. I think it, I All think right. it was. Instead of taking the photo, he had it set to video. You know, okay, and therefore got the got the vision, the priceless yeah, vision. Yeah, because it wasn't clean. It wasn't like beautifully crystal clear vision, was it? Like it was. You having a go? At, you having edges. a go at his camera now? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm just that. That <laughs> solves it. I scratched my head all night thinking, yeah, who, who did he just stop a random stranger to film that? Mm-hmm. Had he taken a family member? But uh, that would give the surprise away. So anyway, you solved it. Yeah. One other thing I did yesterday, actually, while I was uh, preparing some things in the kitchen, the kids are all over this these days. My boys and your boys would be as well, given they're a bit older. Was they're watching something on Netflix? I said, "What's this? This sounds good." And they found that a new documentary. It only dropped just before uh, New Year's Eve. It's called uh, Captains of the World on Netflix. It's all about the World Cup in Qatar just gone. So if you love the world game and indeed the momentous nature of the World Cup, this is a great watch. I mean, Netflix choose their targets for these things very carefully. And they're in and behind the scenes of some of the big teams at the World Cup. And Australia seemingly not part of the picture. But then, of course, mm. Graham Arnold's team progressed to the round of 16. Argentina, there's a bit of momentum behind them. Netflix do these things real well. It's all access as well, Kane. They're in the change rooms. They've got them mic'd up. Have a listen like to this. It. This this is this is pre the round of sixteen clash. Socceroos given no chance. Leo Messi, the whole story, his last World Cup ever, the GOAT. Argentina, um, you know, one of the best countries in the world. And this is a bit of Graham Arnold in the so I love this. A bit of country footy about this game. Listen to Graham Arnold. These f- don't know who Australian players are. Go and show the who we are. And at the end, offer him your shirt when you beat him. Get out there and get into these. Come on. Come on. We will. We will. When we press, you've got to squeeze up. Otherwise, it makes the space too big for Jacko and Aaron to cover. Keep our shape. We'll catch him. We'll just send these home. Come on. Come on. Leave it all out there. Come on. I love that. There's a little bit of audio from one of the players. I want to send these so-and-sos home. <laughs> um, they didn't. Um, but, geez, great, great, great vision, though, and great audio. Okay, so a recommendation. Captains, do you say? Captains of the world, it's called. Now, it waxes and wanes between all the cl- all the teams. I haven't got way through it. follows the backstory of some of the players, you know, the triumphs, the tragedies. You know, you know the drill, and you know how Netflix do these things. But if you like professional sport at the highest, highest level – and the tension and the drama, and just the size and scope of something like a, a FIFA World Cup, then you would not want to miss this. I'm in. 
All right, I'm in because I've been watching this other thing, a little bit different to what I was watching on Netflix last night. Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Oh, I saw like that a, pop up. A, yeah. yeah, that's a true story. Yeah. Yeah, I got I got sucked in. You got con. But yeah, I'm trying. I'm, I'm sort of halfway through, and I'm, I'm trying to work out. The guy says he's facing a hundred years in prison, but I'm thinking, well, how are you sitting there? filming this and allowed to do that i guess if you're on bail but he's out there cruising around in luxury cars and putting on this big documentary so i'm trying to work that out but yeah did we conned not bad kind of interesting but um i think yours is more but it reminded me yours reminded me of did we talk about this maybe this time last year that netflix um show called pepsi where's my jet did you ever watch that <laughs> you lied, i never i started to watch did it we but talk you about, loved it that was the weirdest story ever Pepsi, where's my jet? Anyway, we, we digress. We digress. Hey, th- there's movement at the station in regards to David Warner's replacement. There is. They're not happy over in WA either. Oh, my Are goodness. they rioting yet? or? Well, Kim Hughes. Kim Hughes <laughs> is not happy. I'm not sure if we've got the audio yet as my computer tries uh, to connect. We do. Well, so we've got Mitch Johnson, Martin. Uh, oh, Goss is, our man, we're Gossage. folding the Goss in. Gostradamus. They're burning effigies over there, basically. Goss, <laughs> Goss is all upset. He, he's, a, he's a funny watch on Twitter, um, Tim. I'm the king. He, he, he has moments where he's, he's all over up. Twitter and he loves it. And then he has moments where he's he's off it and he, uh, he tells the well, I'm off Twitter. I've always thought if you're off Twitter, just go off. You don't have to tell people that you're going to go off. Well, he's not happy because he, he mentions one of the interviews that he had with a with a West Coast player and the West Coast player listed like how good the preseason's been and all the changes that they've made and one of the changes that they've made is that the fitness coach, the new fitness coach, has brought in running with ball work. <laughs> so, and I couldn't help myself. I said, Goss, teams have been doing running with ball work through preseason for twenty years, like before I even started. I said, <laughs> What have they been doing out west? So I don't think he was happy with that. And then he, he followed up with a tweet last night and he said Passed on some basic footy training info and I got smashed. I asked a question about Smith moving to open and possible ramifications. I got smashed. Maybe West best to wait and join the pylons. Seems to be the courageous thing to do. This platform has lost its luster. So he's, he's not happy. But anyway, um, so Smith's going to open. Yep. And Green my man, four. My man Green yes. is going to come in at four. Well... Dangerous. No, not at all. Not at all. That, that's his spot. That's his pet position. But no, you're right about Kim Hughes. Not unhappy. He said this on Channel 10 yesterday. Touch this, do this, do that, and never want to leave when I'm given out. He needs a, It's like a petulant kid. Smith is struggling at the moment. He's been an absolute superstar. But as an opener, he's no more opener than me opening the bowling. He needs to stay at four, get his mojo back, if you like, without all the fluff. Cameron Bancroft may as well go and play marbles. You've got to reward performance. <laughs> so they're banging on about Bancroft's average, right? And the fact that... You know, he has been knocking, he's been plundering runs at that level. And in fact, this second year running is a leading run scorer. But as has been pointed out, Cam Green averages mid 50s with about at shield level as well. And he's out of the side at the moment, too. So I'm kind of interested in it. I, I, I think I'm more inclined to watch this test match, which is going to be pretty boring, we think, next week, now that Smith is opening and Green is in. I, I think it is a more interesting storyline for us, more, more so than. Bancroft comes in, Smith stays where he is, and Green yeah. doesn't play. So, look, uh, as has been pointed out, you, you pick your best six batsmen. Maybe that's what they have done, and it'll be a it'll be a fascinating watch. We'll ask Simon Catterchus later on, and hopefully this doesn't happen. But just play with play with this for a moment. So, if if Smith fails, it doesn't work as an opener. Mm. 
what happens then? Yeah. Is Cam Green inextricably linked now to Steve Smith? So does Steve Smith get dropped? Hard to imagine that. Or does he get dropped back to number four? And therefore, then what happens to Cam Green? Are they, are they linked now for a period of time? Or does as good as Mitch Marsh is going now in future 12 months, 24 months, does, does Green take Marsh's spot and, and mm. Smith drops back? I'm not... I'm not sure what the answer to that question is. Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Yep. I think you'll be successful. I think Stephen Smith will. will. Will he be opening this time next year when we have the? Well, they the, would clearly the, hope so. The yeah. series that we all want to. Yeah, they would watch. clearly be hoping so for India and England, and and obviously coming up against New Zealand as well. That the, that Kawaja though he's sort of close to the end as well, isn't he? So mm. I just wonder now if. You know, we're talking about it earlier. Steve Smith now at works. He's the elder statesman, the one with the experience. And then they bring someone back in from the cold to open up with him, whether that's Bancroft upon Usman Kawaja's uh, retirement, whenever that might be. Who knows? But anyway. Would, would you read David Warner's book if he doesn't discuss Sandpaper Gate? Yeah. And I listened to his comments yesterday around, you know, it's going to raise some eyebrows. I'm thinking, oh, good. This will shock some people. There'll be some good stories in there. 2,000 word book. And then... <laughs> And then I, oh, I hope not. And then I, it is, uh, no, it is two thousand. It's, it's out to two thousand words. Yeah, two two thousand in the Herald Sun today. No, not it, a two thousand word book. It it is, Sam. It is two thousand page. Two, sorry, two thousand page. Right. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. All right. Sorry. Yep. You're you're right. No, I'm wrong. So it's a long book. Yeah, that's good. Two thousand words. Seriously, be, yeah, you'd be yeah, done yeah. in about twenty minutes. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, two thousand pages. Yeah. So and it, but then he danced around twenty eighteen, didn't he? He said, "Oh, look." You know, we don't, you know, it's in the rear vision mirror. Clearly there's some sensitivities around whatever he divulges and the effect it will have on the current team, which he's mindful of. Yep. Which you can understand, but that's all people want, isn't it? Yeah. Well, we'll ask the question and we'll maybe be able to put a Twitter poll up. Would you read his book if that is not mentioned at all? Or if he glosses over it and he just gives us what we already know and just his perspective of it. It read like no, that. It read it like did. that. Yeah. yeah. And there's no additional information that we don't already know that it's been discussed at length. I'm not sure. You asked me the question of the day, would you read his book? And I said, without hesitation, yes. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that I would now. Mm. I mean, the Joe Root stuff, yeah, that's good. But, yeah, uh, but really? we sort of know that we as don't, well, don't we're we? We're not interested in that as much And the as childhood we're... stuff. I mean, he had a tricky yeah, childhood. Um, it's about not his that journey. Yep. interested in that. And the family stuff's a little bit boring as well. So... Uh, we'll wait and see. There's no timeline for when that book is is set to be released, but it's in the pipeline. He said, you're right, it was a, a 1,500 pages. It's now probably 2,000. Um, he says it's not that many. So we'll see. Jeff's on the road. Morning, Jeff. Welcome to uh, welcome to the show. Morning, guys. How are you? We're well. Jeff. That's good. Hey, Kane, uh, I think you might have to uh, forget about Cam Green being an all-rounder now. So I think similar to Steve Smith. You won't see him bowling test matches again now. When Steve Smith first came in, he was a leggy. And then he became the batsman that he is. And I think now they'll give up on his bowling career with Cam Green and stop calling him an all-rounder. Well, it would be, it would be inter- that would be interesting, Jeff, because I, I, I ha- he hasn't looked threatening with the ball for a long time. And they've been reluctant to, to bowl him for any length of time. Like, he, he was bowling sort of six overs in, mm. in an innings, and it was was pointless. So I, I think you might be onto something, which is a shame because when he first burst onto the scene, it was this this kid bowls 145 and he's he's frighteningly quick. I haven't seen that yet. So, yeah, it'll definitely be a watch, Jeff. Good on you, Jeffrey. Appreciate your call, mate. Uh, you can join him on the open line anytime. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Better get to a break, uh, but there's so much to get to today. I've got to ask you about this guy, Harvey Lewis. I know you're familiar with him. 
what makes him tick. What on earth have they been doing over there in the States with these ultra marathons? It sounded nuts with this, the, the method of it as well. And we've got our hold me to it. Thank you. So we, we did that yesterday and we are going to get you involved this morning. This is the statement, the opinion, um, the storyline that you think and you are predicting is going to happen this year, and we are going to hold you to it. And Sammy and I are going to uh, wheel out ours as well. Fine tune mine. Just... Run the record on Kane as well for his hold me to it. So we know news.com.au will. So oh just uh, goodness, it's, it's what has to happen. It's what it's all about. Sorry, Kane. You were going to say I don't give a stuff what anyone thinks. We're going to touch on the Blues today as well at some point, I think. Yeah, we will. We'll talk about the coaching set up okay. there. And there's some movement up at the Brisbane Lions in terms of some, some new contracts being signed up there with a little point of difference, which we'll get to as well. So plenty of footy on the menu, plenty of cricket. We've got our endurance covered here between Kane and myself. And uh, just being told the hot air balloons was a big topic of conversation last year. The fact they spent more time on the deck than they did in the air. Been in a couple of crash landings in recent days as well over here, Kane. I tell you what, if you get in one of them, you have got rocks in your head. I'm never, ever getting in one of them. (laughs) Breakfast powered by Kubota. For over 40 years, they've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. Breakfast on SEN. A stack of texts coming through, Kane, here on the 40 Wings Temper, which, of course, is 0433981116 on the decision that the Australian uh, selectors have seemingly made anyway. We were wait for total confirmation of it today, but Ben Horn, uh, cricket writer with News Corp, rarely gets this wrong. He said they're going to go for Smith. I won't necessarily say he's going to be the opener today. He'll be named in the squad, but they're going to open up with uh, one of the best batsmen post the Bradman era, um, statistically anyway. At the top mm. of the order, Cam Green comes in, but we did like this text or this tweet from Paul Cochran on, on X. It looks like Western Australian Cameron Green has been picked to fill the one void left by David Warner, which means Western Australian Cameron Bancroft didn't get picked. So, of course, all the Western Australians are blowing up because a Western Australian didn't get picked. Didn't mind that one they're, from Paulie. They're upset. They are upset. And now, man, uh, Gossage is, lead, is leading the charge, but... Look, um, it was always going to be hotly debated, as it has been for the last week or so. I I don't mind where they land, albeit Cameron Green needs to step up now. I mean, every, everyone has you know, lauded the, the future of this guy, and, and I'm hearing it, and I'm seeing it, but um, I'm yet to actually see him deliver consistently at the level. So hopefully that starts as of next week. The whole me to it texts have already started to drop. We'll get oh, to them like at a it. 7 o'clock. Not a lot of... Uh... Love for the uh, pending release of David Warner's book either off the 40 Wings Temper text. Uh, yeah, not a great uptake it would appear on that. But then again, probably not surprising off the 40 Wings. It takes no prisoners. Probably not. And uh, just uh, some more footy stuff as well for later on. Uh, Essendon have got some positional changes that they've been trialling. Cow Toomey tweeted about this yesterday. So I want to get your thoughts on that and perhaps some other players that yep. need, need to freshen up this year. And I've, I've got a couple that have already been sort of in the headlines. One's at Fremantle. Uh, one's at the Gold Coast, and now we'll, we'll chat about the Bombers. So we'll ask you which player at your club perhaps needs a, a positional change-up to revitalise their career or add something to your team. Now, a couple of contract re-signings at the Brisbane Lions we can is talk about big, now. Is it the big one? It's Kitty Coleman for the okay. men, and it's Ali Anderson for the women. They've actually done a dual announcement, men and women, which I'm not sure has been done before, but um, you know we often talk about footy clubs being under the one banner and a a meshing of the AFL and AFLW programs. Well, Brisbane have put it on paper. They've got Ali Anderson, their superstar, 
dual premiership player and, and season seven league best and fairest winner signing off for another three. And Kitty Coleman, who might have been Brisbane's best player the last couple of games of the season, re-signs until the end of 2027. What signature did you want to see? No, I'm happy with that. that that's a respectable contract for Kitty Coleman. Uh, he was their best player in the first half of the grand final before yep. he ran out of steam and, and the heat got the better of him, but he, he was also outstanding the previous week as well and turned the game for, for Brisbane. And I think top five kick in the league. I don't think that's too big of a no, statement. No, so he, he, he's a weapon for them. Brilliant. And yep. Daniel Rich, that they need the replacement and he's he's perfect for them. So 2027, that's fair. How do you reckon people are going at So we're inside two months now till the start of the footy. It is going to come along quickly. We're in the, a quite a time now, but all the clubs are, are coming back and it, it's not too long until we are riding everything and uh, people's whole moods are dependent on how their teams are going. I've got to say, uh, Brooksy and I love this little piece of audio. Now, Dan Gorringe, let's be honest, can lose us at times, uh, the great man. But he he voiced and shot a piece to camera yesterday that I, I don't know about you, Kane. I reckon best sums up, what, why do we care so much about a bunch of strangers that pull on a uniform and run around every weekend that we've never, some cases, never met We'll never met, don't know, and yet our whole livelihood, Monday to Friday, and our mood and how we basically exist depends on how these guys go on the weekend. Well, this was Dan Gorringe yesterday. Hey, guys. Uh, in 58 days' time, guess what's going to happen? You and I are going to let a football team dictate our mood week to week for six months straight. We're going to let 22 guys that we don't even know but we love them like family, dictate how we act for six months. And I can't wait. I can't wait to win and I'm everyone's best mate or lose. Everyone get okay? I'm ready to be emotionally abused because I love it. I love supporting my team and I know you do too. So Carlton, if you're listening to this, my heart's here. Rip it out my chest. Throw it on the ground or... Make me the happiest man in the world. 58 days. We get abused in 58 days. I'm ready to be emotionally abused. It's so true. It is true. Do you know what? I was doing some, because we're going to talk about the blues this morning, and I'm looking forward to doing that. So I was doing some, some work yesterday and just going back through some of the articles that were written in the first half oh. of the year. about it's a, it's a really interesting exercise to do. Michael Voss is coaching for his future and um, you know, we know how frustrated the Carlton fans were and then Wolsey came on with, with Kingy and I and he told the Carlton fans to shut up which was just one of the great pieces of audio for the year and then the flip side of, of what they did in the second half of the year yeah it's just you can never write what is going to happen or predict what is going to happen in but, the footy but, season and that's why we love it but why are we connected the way we are is it because, because we grow that's up sport, we, though, because like, our loved it? ones we see our loved ones we see our dad or our grandparents or, or uh, you know emotionally yeah. invested or stories are passed down or what what is it why why are we linked so emotionally to, as Daniel says, a bunch of strangers running around on the weekend. I think you attach yourself to your club. So it's almost like you, it's a reflection. It's almost, you feel like it's a reflection of you if the team performs poorly. I, I don't know. That's something that, that I feel. You're almost, everyone would get the, the sense of embarrassment from a team's performance. Why would you feel embarrassed about Carlton's performance? Exactly. It makes no logical sense You go sense to work or you're scared to go to school because yeah, your team exactly. gets rolled. So you attach your... To whatever degree, and, and some more so than others, your self-worth a little bit 
to your football team. And that's the great thing about it. When, when they play well and a player that you love plays well, you walk into work, chest puffed out, and you feel proud. You yourself feel proud. You didn't do anything. You, you just watched it. But yeah. You actually feel proud. I mean, that's the, the beauty of sport, and that's the beauty of the, the roller coaster of a footy season. And not only that, but you like taking joy in others' misery too. So I come to work <laughs> and I say, hey, Kane, what happened to Port Adelaide? <laughs> <laughs> you get real vindictive. What, what happened to your person? What happened to your player, Jason North France? Yeah, what did happened to the him? Hornet? What, what happened to the Hornet? On the, weekend? the Hornet get a kick, did he, mate? Yeah, take pleasure in that. Oh, you absolutely goodness. do. Oh. oh, it's all good, isn't it? Yeah. Good morning, everybody, as well, if you join us for the first time. Sam Edmund, Kane Cords with you for summer brekkie up until 9 o'clock, and great to have your company as well. A reminder, the Australian Master of the Amateur Championships, bit of golf on every day this week at the Southern Golf Club. If you're in the area, get along. You can walk alongside the next up-and-coming PGA and LPGA Tour players. It's free as well, free car parking. And it's SEN's 20th birthday. That's coming up Friday week, January 19. To celebrate, we're giving away invitations to join us for celebratory drinks. Why don't you join us for a tipple at the Sporting Globe in Richmond, Friday, 19th of January from 3 o'clock. Good on you, Nathan. Great to have you in the news room. Yes, Nath. Uh, we've got a sports update as well, Kane. Plenty happening uh, around the place. We mentioned it earlier, but uh, Ben Horn News Corp, the first to report this categorically anyway, that Steve Smith does look set to replace David Warner at the top of the batting order. Now, that's for next week's first test against the West Indies. Matt Renshaw has been picked as a reserve batsman if needed. Cam Green expected now to come into the Test 11, moving into Steve Smith's position at number four, which is his yeah. preferred batting And position. we had a call from Jeff a little bit earlier saying that uh, the days of Cameron Green being an all-rounder are gone. Uh, do, you, do you share that view? Um, it would be a big call considering, um, you know, how much his bowling was spruiked before he landed in the test arena. But will he be like Steve Smith and others that were touted as all-rounders, but uh, will focus on his batting? Have mm. you say, David Warner says his book will raise some eyebrows. However, he's not expected to pull the curtain all the way back on Sandpaper Gate. He says there'll be some things brought up in relation to Sandpaper Gate, but he wants the book to be about his whole journey rather than a tit-for-tat about the controversy in 2018. Jeez, I hope he really spent some time on it, though, because for me, as we said yesterday, never re- it felt to me anyway, he never really opened up about it. Was don't there write a- it. If you're not going to go, go into it, we, we ignore write, it. Well, it's too late. He's, he's going to write the book. He's going to, you know, he's going to, he's That's the that thing, path. isn't it? If you're going to do it, do it. Take the, do rip it the band-aid off. Exactly right. And I, I, I've spoken about this before, but I, I did write a book, and it was always said to me, if you're going to write the book, Everything has to go in it. So mm. all of everything that people would find interesting in it. And, and my old man said to me, you know, people are going to get hurt if, if you do that. But if you're going to write the book, you have to write the book and, and make it interesting. So it'd be disappointing mm. if he doesn't. BBL last night, your neck of the woods, Kane. The strikers beat the Hurricanes by five wickets. Four balls remain. Gee, the Canes just imploded early. Well, they five for 35, I think, at one stage. Uh, ben McDermott rallied for them, made an unbeaten 95, got them to 160-odd, I think. But strikers bowler Cameron Boyce was the player of the match. He took two for 13 from his four overs. Just on this, did you catch any of this last night? I so didn't. Alex Carey back for the strikers behind the stumps, right? And uh, I'm just glad with everything after Johnny Bairstow and the Ashes and, and how much it affected him emotionally, he hasn't lost his sense of humour, it would appear. This was him when uh, Channel 7 crossed to him, mic'd up after he, uh, after he executed a stumping. Oh, it's that magnificent stumping. You would have been happy with that. 
Uh, yeah, always happy to get a stumping, mate. You know that. Uh, however, it comes uh, up to the stumps or back. So, um, no, it was good, mate. <laughs> I liked it. Oh, it was good. Subtle. Up, up to the stumps or back. <laughs> Subtle but perfect. Uh, uh, he's Ripper, Alex Carey. Now, in the uh, NFL, we, we spoke about the carnage that uh, happens after teams are eliminated from the from the playoffs. Well, it's continued because the Titans have sacked their coach, Mike Vrabel, after six seasons. Vrabel led Tennessee to four consecutive winning seasons after arriving in 2018, but the Titans have experienced back-to-back Frustrating seasons. It's amazing in the NFL. They're now saying he's the hottest coaching prospect. So I was just going to ask you though, because I'm not familiar with him. Was this a shock? Was it coming? Was is it fair enough? I don't think it was a shock to most people, just because of how ruthless it is. I mean, two seasons that are disappointing. He's been there. Can lead you to that, but it's amazing that he's been sacked, and he's going to be the hottest one of the hottest coaching candidates to replace another coach at another club. That wouldn't happen in, no. in the AFL. Like, it'd be like, oh, I'm not sure, a coach that has, Nathan Buckley would be the hottest after leaving Collingwood, the hottest coaching prospect. He probably was up there, but yeah, it's a different philosophy mm. over there. Australian tennis great Pat Rafter believes the hype for Alex Demonor is real and that the top home hope can reach the Australian Open final. So real deal, according to Pat Rafter. And who are we to argue with, Patty? Yeah, I was hitting with Leighton yesterday. Looks good as well. Can't wait to see how he goes in the uh, in the Aussie Open soon. The Australian women's cricket team they've beaten India again in the third T20 by seven wickets mm. with eight balls remaining, and they won the series two one. So started slightly, but uh, bounced back pretty yep. strongly. Alyssa Healy top scored fifty five. Beth Mooney an unbeaten fifty two. Annabelle Sutherland two for twelve from her four overs. Uh, Sydney sports doctor Tom Cross says Sam Kerr could. Could be a chance for the Paris Olympic Games. No chance. If no chance. If Tom says she opts for a revolutionary bracing system he devised alongside his late father Merv, a pioneer in knee reconstruction for elite athletes, that's called the cross bracing protocol, and it requires patients to bend the knee. I heard that on an ad somewhere before, uh, which means setting the sea, uh, setting the knee in a brace at 90 degrees, oh, this can't be good, for four <laughs> weeks before progressively straightening it over a 12-week period. What come is on, that? Come on, Tom. Would you put your career in the hands of <laughs> no. the cross-bracing protocol, uh, do you think? The, the hottest and most famous Australian athlete is going to use this method to get herself back to the Olympics. Um, not, not going to happen. Mm. I, I like the faith in the system that they've devised, but not going to happen. I want to ask you about... Uh, ACL injuries as well and the prevalence of them in women's sports yeah. six times more likely I wonder the impacts of you know uh, parents of, of young children at home we see it a lot in in AFLW we're seeing it a lot in soccer and, and other sports they're not sure why but for whatever reason um, female athletes six times more likely to do their ACL as we've seen so that's Sam Kerr's second and we've seen a whole host of them in the AFLW as well so it's a big issue uh, mm. in women's sport just before we break, we better get out to WA where Alex has uh, has called in to join us, uh, perhaps to talk all things NBL. Alex, welcome. Yeah, good morning, guys. Um, I've got a dilemma. I'm a member of the Perth Wildcats, and um, Saturday they're opening the roof again for uh, for the game. The only problem is it's going to be 38 degrees. Oh. And last year when they opened the roof, there was a stinking hot day, and as a member, I was sitting in the I was sitting in the sun. And absolutely got boiled alive in my own perspiration. It was disgusting, the, um, the, the viewing. 
conditions. What times? What times the game start? Last year it started at four thirty. This year they're starting eight. at five. Oh, five. Yeah, eight o'clock Eastern. Wow. Okay. So would the sun would be would have set behind the stage? Wouldn't be wouldn't be blasting in through the roof though at that time though would it, Alex? Yeah, it is. It is. That's the problem. Yeah. Right. Okay. Hey, well. uh, in better news, yeah, you must be happy with how the teams turn things around. Sorry. You must be happy with how the team has turned things around from a two and five start. Yeah, I am, but um, I've also paid good money for a seat at the game. He doesn't want to he sweat while he watches grumpy. them game. He's, gr- he's grumpy. The, the West Australians are grumpy this morning. <laughs> Thanks uh, for the hey, call, Ban- Bancroft's been overlooked, <laughs> and they've got the bloody roof open at the basketball. <laughs> they are going well. They're 12 oh. and 7. Oh, they're flying. Oh, they're, they're, I reckon they're the best team in it. The Melbourne United, when they... We've got to get to a break. Melbourne United, when they opened the roof um, at that John Kane. Yeah, that was just before... It is amazing. It was it so is, good. It is that, incredible. That was, game yep. was against Perth, and I watched it on TV. It yep. was an unbelievable game. They had perfect conditions for it. The sun, though, wasn't blasting in through the roof, as uh, as Alex is probably trying to point out. Uh, the 40 Wings temper text is 0433981116. The all-new temper pro is around as well. It's everywhere. It's the most adaptive mattress ever. Temper. A mattress like no other. Breakfast on SEN. Hold Me To It is coming up at a 7 o'clock. It's a Kane Corns uh, brainchild, this one. Uh, how how bold are we to be with our Hold Me To It? And how many do you have in your kit bag? Uh... Oh, I've got about six. Good, because I've got six, but I, I didn't want to overdo it. But I've got a half okay. dozen. We'll, we'll see how we go. And All plus, right. we'd love to canvas some opinion out there as well. Some we would love through. to do that. You can get involved. You can join in the conversation whenever you like. The 40 Winks temper text, 0433981116. Lots coming through. But better still, give us a call on 1300 736 736. Um, we're going to touch on the blues. We are. You may have some information at hand. Yes. Um, we, we might do that at a 7 o'clock uh, concerning a contract of pretty big significance. Uh, when we've got Blues. a story like this, as, as, soon as, we are back, <laughs> as soon as we are back at 7 o'clock, we are dropping, <laughs> okay. it. We are dropping right. this. I think you might be overstating it a tad. We are, no, I think it's big. And then we're going to discuss it and we're going to get the opinion of our audience and then we'll, we'll get That's, on to hold me to it. There's a lot of, lot of footy coming up. Looking forward to getting stuck does in. does come at an interesting time after our conversation yesterday Very regarding the re-signing of certain people at football clubs. Now, you asked me a question before the break that I couldn't possibly answer, and that is why are our female athletes six times more likely, you say now, um, and this is obviously in the wake of Sam Kerr's second ACL injury, six times more likely than their male counterparts to rupture the ACL. There's been a lot of uh, studies on this, a lot of research, a lot of theory. I'm not sure if we're any closer to knowing categorically why it is, just that it is. And it's a, it's a great shame. We see it in the well, AFLW all the time. Exactly right. Now, the experts don't know. I mean, they've, they've got some theories about anatomy and, and things like that. And I think the way that hips sit and th- things like this. But no one has a definitive answer as to why there was a, a piece in the age yesterday off the back of Sam mm. rupturing hers. I mean, there was some talk in the AFLW. Maybe it's perhaps uh, because uh, these athletes haven't grown up playing the sport and you know the dynamic nature of it. But that sort of doesn't doesn't factor in when you're looking at sports like like football and soccer and and netball is the same thing so i don't know but the question i've got is is it a deterrent for for parents out there with um 
young ladies that are looking to play FLW or soccer with, with the because it's a it's a horrific injury. Like the rehab that is required to do it properly, and having seen a lot of teammates go through it, it's lonely, it's horrific, and you want to get it right, and you've got to tick all the boxes. So. Uh, it's a big factor, and it's a it's one that they are looking into clearly, but are yet to solve. And modern medicine, you know, Lars came and went has never really. I mean, it's better now. It's no. all keyhole now, so it's a lot yeah, less so invasive. David Roden, I played with D Rod, and he'd done a couple of knees, and he had the Lars, and it was it was amazing to yeah. watch because just quickly because he I'd seen him go through the traditional twelve months of the normal uh, the, the hamstring graft where they repair your ACL with that, and then to see him. Lars, he was literally walking the day after and running almost instantly. But we were doing some preseason handball games and he went down again after he'd had the Lars surgery. And what had happened is the Lars ligament, the synthetic ligament had frayed and no good, useless. So he had to get it done again the proper way. It was absolutely devastating. So it was particularly for players that were a bit older at the end of their careers that wanted to just get back quickly. It seems to be a great solution, but that's a bit off Broadway now, isn't it? Yeah. Lars? Oh, absolutely. You know, no one's touched it of any note. I don't think for some period of time. And and soccer players do tend to come back quicker though than AFL players. Um, I guess by virtue of the way the game is played. But I think six months from now, whether she's going to do, well, if she does that, what was it called? Cross bracing uh, procedure. Oh. Maybe she's a chance of embarrassment. Tom Cross <laughs> doesn't appear as though it's going to be the case. Sadly, unfor- tragically for Sam, and uh, really disappointingly for the Matildas. Uh, SN's twentieth birthday. We say is coming up Friday, 19th of January. The Melbourne Mavericks are here as well. Get a Mavs membership. Just jump online, melbournemavericks.com. And we're powered by Kubota, of course, as uh, we get to the break. For more than 40 years, I've been making Tomorrow Matter, shaping and building Australia together. A reminder of our McCafe menu today, our official coffee partner, Harvey Lewis, something with a difference here. You're still going to tell me a bit more about this man, Kane, the ultra marathoner from the States who won. Absolutely freakish. Big Dogs Backyard Ultra Race last year. I did the numbers on what he ran and what he had to do per day. I'm not sure how it's... 450 sh- miles in four days. 725 Ks in four yeah. and a half days. Not sure. Didn't sleep. Didn't sleep. What? Pretty much. Simon Kadich is going to join us. BP as well. And questions with that notice. Breakfast on SEN. All sorts of theories coming through on the women and the ACLs came, but uh, as has been reminded, Simo Ferntree Gully, fellas, they need Tyson Goldsack on Sam Kerr's recovery team. Yeah. 2018, that was, he was back playing in five months. I'd forgotten That's that. Amazing. A traditional and Rico, five months. Yeah, five months. How? Liber, Liber, what, what was Liber? Yeah, Liber well, was way, short. Way back. Oh, he was more than similar. That. Yeah, around was... six to 21. Okay. Uh, Brooks is telling me, of course he knows. Yeah. In 1998. Brooksy, one of the best producers in the business. <laughs> Came back against, isn't it? With the big, <laughs> Friday the night. big, big um, brace on, didn't he? <laughs> He's all over it. Stop there, okay? <laughs> I don't know what underwear he was wearing on the day of the game either. So, Has yeah. anyone had Lars out there? 0433981116. Take us through that process. And well, as an everyday person, you probably would have Lars, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, I, I don't know why not. And, and is your Lars ligament still intact? Mm. I'd be really interested to, um, to hear the feedback. If anyone is listening to us this morning with a Lars ACL ligament, uh, in their knee at the moment. Just reading news.com, Kane Corns has taken a swipe at former <laughs> Aussie Test captain Ricky Ponting. Ponting, have a sook, Ricky. And he got the split photo of the two of them as well. Ding, ding, oh, ding, ding. Oh, my goodness. Back after the news. Breakfast on SEN. Here we go.
Good morning, everybody. Great start to the day here in Melbourne, where it's three past seven Eastern. Uh, Harvey Lewis, Simon Cadditch, Brett Phillips, questions of that notice. And hold me to it, not too far away. Kane Corns' brainchild. We dipped our toe in the water on that yesterday, but we'll look forward today. We'd love your involvement on that front as well. one 736 736 A 40-winks temper, 04-33-98-11-16. Sam Edmund and Kane Corns with you. Kane, John has called him from Brisbane just before we uh, we resume, and he's had Lars. But, Johnny, where'd you have Lars? He had an, in, in your shoulder. Yeah, I had a shoulder separation in 2011, uh, and I had Lars in the shoulder. It's still there. It's I can swing just the same. It's uh, it's a great. Uh, I reckon it's a great innovation. Funny enough, in 1986, just I was playing football and I snapped a tendon in my finger, and I took a little. Oh, the doctor took a little bit of uh, uh, tendon out of my quad and I had a bit of trouble with my quad ever since like you know I used to strain it all the time I think it might have been unbalanced so the Lars I can't speak highly of it yeah right so the recovery time pretty quick for the shoulder then Johnny yeah it was I did a lot of rehab like I was at the pool doing uh just stretching and all that and I worked really hard on it I worked like an AFL footballer actually that hard on trying to get back and yeah it come back fine happy to hear it Happy to hear it. Happy to have an advocate Good. for the Lars. Yep. Good on you, John. I, I, um, as well, if you've got one in your knee, yeah, let us know. A lot of texts coming through. Right, let's get stuck into it because you've got some news on the Blues. Yeah. Well, yesterday we spoke about coaches re-signing and Matty Nix, you threw at me and our general conversation was, well, if he's the right guy, why would you wait? If it, Or in, in more in line with your keeping and a loop beverage conversation, you know, what, what the rush? Why is there mm-hmm. a rush? So we, we have a difference of opinion on this. And it interestingly, t- on a timing front, so Michael Voss at the Blues. Now, Michael is out of contract at the end of this year. This is his final year of a, a three-year deal. He's set to be rewarded for a new contract in the coming weeks, Kane, is my information. So Carlton's still hunting that drought-breaking premiership. They think Vossi is their man. So it would be a two-year contract extension. It's seen as a priority down at Icon Park at the moment. Um, and talks on this will ramp up after um, Carlton Chiefs return from their Christmas break. They did start last year between club and coach. They progressed steadily. But then the holiday period obviously has intervened. So, you know, barring any sort of unexpected New Year snag, uh, these two parties are going to uh, agree on a commitment that will see Voss remain at the helm until the end of 2026. So it's right on Cougs. We spoke about Longmuir and Nick's yesterday. And I sort of said, what, what's the rush in, in both of those you could wait until the halfway mm. point of the year with where those two teams are at this is different this is the absolutely the right call from the blues to reward michael voss with a contract extension before round one well hang on hang on though i'll play devil's advocate is it though because you have yes. got a season of halves here one absolutely diabolical situation where they're four wins eight losses they're 15th after round 15 Mm-hmm. And then they embark on a nine-match winning streak. They win two finals. We know the story. They get to the prelim. So, uh, devil's advocate, but why would you believe the latter more than the former? Because of the history. There's there's so many factors into this. The history of the club and the instability that has been there. Nine coaches in 20 years. He's 24 and 19 in his two seasons. He's 11 and two in his last 13, and he led by five goals in a prelim final. And if you look at any premiership contender, and they are a genuine premiership contender, Carlton, like they, they, they are one of six teams who can win the premiership this year. Very rarely would a genuine contender go into a season 
with a coach's future up in the air. And that, that's what it would be. Now, Luke Say has said in May after that start that Vossi will absolutely be the coach until at least the end of 2024. This is the right time to do that. This, this guy has proven himself that, that he can coach. And he has all the pieces of the playing puzzle there. Clearly, the players are behind him and, and are playing for him. We saw that in the second half of the year. Mm. And to, to go in with his future up in the air somewhat for a, a year that they can genuinely win the premiership would be the wrong thing. And two years is perfect. Two, two years is the, now if I was Michael Voss, I'd want some um, performance, um, you know, clauses in there that would extend that out by more than two years. If we reach some certain benchmarks, prelim final or a grand final, or, or, or if you win it, he's going to be fine. But Blues fans, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. I think this is absolutely the right time to extend Michael Voss. Different scenario to Luke Beveridge twelve months ago. Different scenario right now to to Longmuir and Nicks into his third season with what he has done and what they did at the back half and their potential this year to sign him up right now is the right thing to do. Yeah, and I'm sure there's some particulars to work out in the contract, the fine print if you like, but there's every expectation that this will be tidied up well and truly before the start of the season. So Carlton's opening round assignment, they start where they ended last year. So they're up March 8, Brisbane at the Gabba, the newly created opening round. So should be done well and truly before then. I guess this, the turnaround is extraordinary though from it where is. he sat to where he is now and the stability that I guess Brian Cook was able to engineer coming in. And even Jacob Wiedering is said to have had a major say behind the scenes from the player's point of view in terms of, mate, we've got you back here. There's no dissatisfaction from us. We know. Now, so that just put him at ease as well. I don't think at any stage last year, despite the world seemingly caving in around him, did Michael Voss feel like his position was under threat. So he's about to be rewarded. 2026, bit of stability for the Blues right off yeah, the top. Yeah, and, and I think the thing that impresses me about Michael Voss is, so put the playing aspect to the side as much as you'd like. What, what he has done in his coaching career from the time at Brisbane to then going and working on all areas. He, he, he did that. It's a great lesson for mm. anyone who wants to get back into coaching. We, we, we see Danny Laidley put, putting her hand up to get back in. Well, there's so many other areas that you've got to go back. You've got to start as a development coach. Then you go to look at the midfield, the back line. Vossi's done leadership consulting. He sat on the, in the box. He sat on the bench. And now he's got his own team again. And the adversity that they faced last year and the leadership that he showed in turning that around. I, I think he's mm. absolutely, as we know, made of the right stuff. I think he's going to be Carlton's coach for well beyond 2026. He could be a 10-year coach at the Blues. That's that's the, the path that he's on. So it's the right call. Interested in your thoughts and your feedback, 0433981116 Blues fans. Yeah, well, let's do that. Josh is uh, on the line uh, in Sunbury. We'll take him now. Joshy, welcome. Good morning, boys. How are we? We're well. Good. We're well. Fire when ready. Yeah, Oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a long-term suffering Carlton supporter. I think last year, I reckon I watched that Melbourne game over about 20 times. But um, I I could not be happier with, with Michael Voss. You know, we discussed yesterday the fact that, that those two coaches in, in Knicks and Longview haven't done much. And really, Voss hasn't either in terms of winning. But what I did love last year and where he won me over was during that time, I think it was around 13 when we lost Essendon, Usually around that time, you start hearing rumours of dissatisfaction amongst the playing group, uh, fractures within the coaching group. Not once throughout last year, during that time, did you hear players being unhappy. It was a United club, and I just think that the way he is, he's such a people's person. I could not be happier with, with that man leading our club. So 
hopefully we give him a two-year extension and let's hope he takes up to the promised land. Josh, what's a pass mark? Uh, in all honesty, grand final. Not winning it, but making it. Mm. Oh, that's a high bar, isn't it? It is. Well, I mean, what, what you, you've got to go one further. That's it. Yep. They're, they're not alone. I mean, well, we we a discussed lot, this a lot the other go, day. Right? I think there's there's probably eight teams where a pass mark is to, mm. to make a grand final. So a tough benchmark to set. But, um, yeah, I think this gives them the best opportunity to do that. Yep. I mean, stable yep. footy clubs. This is the concern over, over the Bulldogs. What, you look back on, on who's won premierships and the stability around their club. Like even Brisbane, how stable they've been. They've had that group of coaches for a long time and, and the administration is so set. Collingwood, how stable they were. Geelong and all the premiership teams are are stable. And uh, Brian Cook's been there for a little bit now. Sayers is the same. Brad Lloyd's been there. Andrew Russell, the high-performance mm. boss, has been there. So the stability now that Carlton have finally got... Oh, I think you'd be crazy. But to, that's what the let... dogs. Are tr- that's what the dogs sought to do with Bevo stability. But how could how could you say that the dogs are stable? They've got a whole new group of assistants. That who no, knows? Changes about... had to be made. Changes had. But but what with this review? I don't, we don't need to go back over it all now. But they've made significant change already, as we said. You, you think know... the dogs? Are, you think the dogs are stable heading into twenty twenty four? They haven't even handed down the review findings. No, I'm not saying that at all, but you're saying it's great that Carlton have re-signed Michael Voss because it's a sign of stability and, and things can be stable. But when they re-signed Luke Beveridge, you, you decided that, that that wasn't a sign of stability or in fact... Well, wrong. Because the, the, the evidence was there that they weren't But they led, they led a grand final by four goals. You talk about Carlton leading a prelim by five goals. And what what did they lose that by? Yeah, I know, but he can, the man that can coach. To, that adds the man, to the story... That the the Blues got cannot, touched up in the end too. He cannot stop run-ons, and that's been there for so long, and, and that was the case. In the, he does not know what to do when sides kick multiple goals against him. So and do you, you sack him or, or, or get people around him to help no, him? No, I just, I just don't think you needed to extend him when they did. Right. And w- would they have re-signed Luke Beveridge if he came in to this year out of contract? Would they have re-signed him last year? So the review, uh, probably they've made, what, seven changes to, eight changes to staff, eight changes to players. The review's not going to reveal anything bigger than that. The review is more of a process-driven thing as opposed to an individual personnel hold-on job sort of thing. But we'll, we'll, we'll await the findings of that, of course. We've got to get to hold me too, Kane, which is oh, the whole point surely. of it. Surely. The whole point of this and your your baby. We've we got a fancy little stinger oh, that we I don't think we've got. I don't think we've got. As we're, we're going, going in to, raw. Still on holidays back there, are they? <laughs> Come on, Coxie. No, uh, well, this is uh, the terms no, of engagement. No, Mel Gibson hold. There we go. Oh, no. You no, cannot play no, that. No, no, no. I, I did ask for a bit of William Wallace, actually. I wanted a bit of hold. Yeah, hold. That's what I was going to say. Uh, Braveheart. Um, all right. So I just gave you a teaser the other day. Now, these are our opinions that you can hold us to it and we'll be proven right or wrong and we're happy to cop it. So I'm saying Ash Barty will play again. And I, I touched on that. Retired in 2022. Three grand slams. Ash Barty will play again. Hold me to that. That's big. I will hold you to that. You can hold me to this. The Gold Coast Suns are going to play finals for the first time <laughs> in their history. And Damien Harwick's first season as coach, Ben King, back to life. Soft draw. The academy kids, the soft draw. Took Miller fit all year. Their 14th season, I think it is. They've knocked a couple of times and then faded. This is the year. They make it. The new I toys make it. Hold you to that. To the I'll top eight. Definitely hold you to that. Hold me to this. Hawthorne will finish above Richmond. Hawthorne will finish above Richmond. Okay. Yeah. And 
Essendon will finish above St Kilda. So hold me to those two, Sammy. Oh, the latter one intrigues me. What are you yeah. basing that on? Oh, just, just a, a lot. vibe, a feel. Yeah, they've just got more. They've just got more weapons than what the Saints mm. have had, and the players seem finally hungry to me, and they've had enough. So. Uh, the Bombers to finish above the Saints. Oh, well, Mark's in South Melbourne. He wanted to talk about the Saints next uh, or this season coming up. Mark, welcome. G'day, Kane. I'll, I'll yes. have a bet. I'll wash, I'll wash your car in the middle of Linton Street over with the toothbrush. Um, <laughs> what? Know, if I'll, what? I'll tell you why St Kilda are going to be the big improvers and hear me out here. Last year, they, their two main forwards played seven and ten games between them. So that's another 30 to 40 goals plus. You were complaining that they were not going to make the eight. They went out mm. and recruited Pace, Henry, and Paddy Dow. They're quality players. You have a look at the kids that played last year. I'll give you one. Wind Hagen. He basically was in and out of the side. I can tell you mentally, they turned around and said to him, you want to be at this place, get fit, and we'll give you the legendary jumper of number two third that was Danny Forley. They've got the best, uh, second best. All right, Mark, I'm, I'm hearing you. You're all you're all in. Made the finals last year. You're saying they're the big improver. Where does that lead them in 2024? And I'll hold you to this. I will say the top four, definitely. And I've taken them at $41 to win the premiership. <laughs> and I've been following them all my life. And just remember, they had no 25 to 30-year-old players last year. Most of them were injured. Uh-huh. All right. All right, Mark. Well, well, if the Saints make the top four, I'll return the favour. I'll wash your car with a toothbrush. I'm holding into that. Wearing a Saints, <laughs> wearing a Saints Guernsey oh, and Saints shorts and socks. Up, we'll all right, that, that's, that's the deal. But I like it. We'll hold you to that and... I'm happy to wash your car with a toothbrush if they do finish inside the top four. Yeah, deliver, couple others. Yeah, deliver. Hold me to it's to us, by the way. Uh, 1-300-736-736, like mine. All right. Tom Lynch from Richmond will kick under 30 goals what? in 2024. Under 30 goals. Why? The, he's just started running on an Ultra, D, Ultra G treadmill. He's not even running on grass yet. He's saying that he's going to start running on grass later this month. Uh, four games in 2023. The guy's 31. He had surgery back in July, so I'm not sure how significant this surgery must have been if he's not even running yet. We know his history with injury. Uh, Going to be a rough year, unfortunately, for Richmond and Tom Lynch. So he'll kick under 30 goals in 2024. This is hold me to it. We're, we're putting them on the line here. Uh, Sam Edmund, Kane Corns, we'd love your contributions as well. We need to get to break. I've got a stack more to get to. I know you do too, Kane. And Billy's on the line as well. He wants to talk dogs. Sit tight, Billy. We'll get to you on the other side. Weather update today for City Power. They supply power to homes in the CBD and the inner suburbs. Today in Melbourne are going to be glorious. Sunny, 25 degrees. Breakfast on SEN. When Vossi held firm early last year with his focus on defence, despite being under huge pressure, I knew mm. he was our man, says this text. To sign Michael Voss to an extension after 10 good weeks of football? I don't agree. I'd wait until mid-season before they make a decision. That's from Andrew. Um, I'm a Richmond fan. I actually think Lynch is cooked. Don't think he's even going to play half a season this year, unfortunately, and it bloody sucks.
Has that been uh, understated? Um, like the surgery in July. It's been covered a lot, but... No, I understand. But has the opinion around no. the concerns over it been covered? Because I'm going, well, a preseason is so important to mm. every footballer, particularly if you're coming off a season where you played four games and have had surgery way back in July. And they bit the bullet on that and did it early. And he's still running on a, an ultra, ultra G, it's hard to say, uh, treadmill, which is where they take the weight off. Yep. You, you go in, in this suit and you can set the percentage that you want to run at. So if you want to run at 80% of your body weight, you, it lifts you up a little bit and amazing, takes all it? the takes the pressure off. They're, they're a great invention. They're amazing. And all clubs would have one. And he's saying he's, he's going to be running on grass later, but he's going to be fit for round one. Mm. I, I can't see there's any way that he's fit for mm. fit for round one. Uh, you got another hold me to it? Uh, Brody Grundy. Yes. Brody yes. Grundy is going to be a huge hit in Sydney. And in fact, you can hold me to this. He'll be in All-Australian contention deep in the season. Squad? All-Australian squad? Can I hold you to that? In the 40. In the 40? In the 40. It's going to work up there. And he is oh. going to pilot a reinvigorated engine room at the SCG. All right. Hold me to this. Chris Scott to be the next coach of Brisbane. When? Don't know. Oh, these are, the, these are the, our 2024 the, the, hold the, me to it. No, so June just, or August the, or? The, whatever, whenever the, the time is that Brisbane get a new wow. coach, Chris Scott will be that coach of Brisbane. You've Chris Fagan, 62. Uh, he's got. He signed a two-year contract extension, which was well deserved. But um, I, I think the next coach of Brisbane will be Chris Scott. Jeez. Okay. Hold me to this. Justin Longmuir doesn't survive the year. Wow. Like out of contract. So in the last Fox, I read something on Fox Sports on this. In the last five seasons, eleven teams have made changes. So an average of three, uh, with an average of three a year. So whether that's not just sacking, that's resignation mm. as well. But it's mm. all in the coaching change landscape. So by the law of averages, it's hard to see him surviving given the circumstances. Frio coming off a horrific trade period. They've lost more talent than they've brought in in the short term. Like okay, they mm. got two future first. Does that give him some? Does that? That's give not going to help him. That's not going to help him. That's not going to help him this year when you lose Henry and Schultz again. Um, this after Mundy, Lob, Acres, Tucker, Logue, Meek, the list goes but on. how but, many were his fault? Do well, you look, blame him but he's, for that? He's, he's, no, but he's beholden to the win-loss. And these yeah. clearly affect the win-loss. So Luke Jackson comes in great. That's an older story now. But they gave up plenty. And that trade is horrific in its aftermath. So O'Meara's best footy behind him. They lost that depth. Say what you want about Lob, but they wanted to keep him. Acres was Carlton's best finals player. So he's he's... Coached four years, 12th in a COVID year in 2020, 11th in 21, 5th in 22. Now, that was good. A first finals mm. berth since 2015. They won a final. Last year, they're 14th. The club's five-year plan called for last year to be a top four finish, and they were fully expecting success, and they were open about that. So the inquest must have been significant. So out of contract, and even being an optimist, you'd have to say the ice is thin. For Justin Longmuir. That, that stodgy ball movement that we saw in the first part of the season, no, you, you that paint, better not return. You paint a good case, um, and it's hard to argue with any of that. I, I wonder, and it'll be interesting, obviously the performance will dictate that, but how much the losses of those players and the list management factor into that, and are they really rock solid again? Now, hang on. We're loaded in the draft for the yeah. end of this year, and we can make some moves, and we think this is the coach. He's shown that he can take us to the finals and win a final um, and we'll give him another two years. That will be the discussion, but you're right. You're not going to rush into re-signing him now, as we discussed 
yesterday. I like it. That is a bold one, uh, Justin Longmuir, to not see out the year. Now, everyone's going to do top 50 lists, player top 50 lists. Like <laughs> yeah. they'll, they'll do them pre-season, they'll do them mid-season, they'll do them post-season. Hold me to this, that by the end of season 2024, Ben Ainsworth will be included in everyone's top 50. Ooh. Now, the young Gold Coast small forward, he's finished top 10 in their best and fairest the last two seasons. This guy is good. This guy is a gun. And I've read that he's going to spend more time up the field. He's spoken to AFL.com about that. Uh, Damien Hardwick's game plan, I think, will suit him. They'll play a bit faster. I think Tom Papley in the role that they should use him and top 50 player on the cusp of all Australian squad at the end of this year. Ben Ainsworth, hold me to that. Steven, I like it. What about Sam Draper? Where's he at? Hold me to it, says Steve. Draper plays less than 10 games this year. I hope that's not the case, Steve, for us and supporters' sakes. Billy's in Ascot Vale before we get to the newsroom. Hi, Bill. Yeah, morning, gents. Yeah, just quickly, two quick things about the dogs. Um, winning the flag unexpectedly, has that been their downfall? Because they've really gone downhill since that flag. And secondly, if Bonds or Liver get serious injuries this year, I don't think they'll make the top eight. Hold you to that, you reckon, Bill? Oh, any time you lose a player like the Bond, it's going to leave mm. a, a huge hole. That goes that saying. Just before we get to the newsroom, just one more for you. Hawthorne and Sydney, hold me to this will make headlines for an extraordinary contract offer for Jamara Hagen that will shock <laughs> with its length and shock with its value. And the dogs will have to pay full freight to keep him, which I think they will do, albeit he'll have to stay for less because I think those offers from Hawthorne and Sydney, when they come to light, will an be enormous. Too, so an offer too good to refuse, or you think he will refuse that and stay? Because th- dogs what clearly saying, have been planning. What you're saying there may be... And I think he's too good to refuse. It could be, but I think he'll stay for less. I think there's no reason at the moment to think otherwise. But I think the contract offers from Hawthorne and Sydney are going to be oh, absolutely are up to something. momentous. We saw what happened with Norton. And so like, they should be because he's this guy... He's a much better footballer than Norton. He is going to be one of the best forwards, if not the best forward in the Star. game, I think, in a few years. Yeah, a uh, right, we'll get to the newsroom. Nathan Gardner's got the headlines. We'll be back on the other side with a few more Hold Me To It's. You can join us anytime. 40 Wings Temper, we're keeping it close on 0433 We'll grab ourselves a McCafe coffee and be back on the other side. Oh, you can always hold Nathan Garner to good news headlines. Hold me to it, Kane Corns. Uh, Steve's in uh, Lilydale. In fact, just before we get to Steve, this one dropped from Chris. Hold me to this. Errol Goulden will win the Brownlow before the Bond. Isn't it? Nice claim from Chris. <laughs> I've touched on that before, but if you looked at the, the the young players that got Brownlow votes, so those midfielders under 24, 23, Butters, Goulden, Horn Francis, McCluggage, we're stacked. Yeah. Dacos. Yeah. You know, so one of, they, they can't all win it, you wouldn't think, but you know, one of those will win it next year, you reckon, and, and they may win multiple. David, he wants to be held to the fact that Ash Johnson's going to kick 50-plus goals at Collingwood without Dan McStay and lead the goal kicking at the Pies. Don't mind it, David. Steve's in Lilydale, as we said, though. He's got a take on the Crows. How are you, Stevie? I'm good, thank you, Samuel. Hope you're well. Hi, Kane. Hope you're well. Hello, old mate. Hello, mate. I'm going to come over and... Hold me to this. I'm going to come over and cut your grass with scissors, Kane. Hold me to this. Uh, Mighty Adelaide Crows will win. This This is not a big one. Adelaide will win both showdowns and make finals, but we win showdowns anyway. We've won three of the last four. But this is the big one. Hold me to this one. Port Adelaide will have such a bad year 
that Kane might actually have to have a negative opinion of Port Power. And, and I think <laughs> I think that one, there's, 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 that's the big one. That's the big one that the jury's out on. Oh, okay. shots fired there. I'll hold you to that. Uh, so w- when are you going to cut my grass with scissors? If, if what? If, if I, so if Adelaide don't make the eight? Yeah, if Adelaide don't make the eight... Lock me in, Kane. I'm coming over with this. All right. All right, it's Steve. Big, it's a big horn. So you'll have it's your car big... washed with a toothbrush. <laughs> I hope you're a patient man over there. These things aren't going to be done quickly, Kane. Uh, Dale's down in uh, Hobart. How are you, Dale? Morning, boys. How are you? We're good. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Uh, cricket holds me to it. South Australia's Nathan McSween. He will be Australia's next test captain. Oh, uh, next. Oh, love it. Bold. Next, what, Dale. What, After what? Paddy Cummins, next. Yeah, I think so. I think I think Cummins will do the um, the Indian tour a series next year, and then the Home Ashes. And they, you can see that they're grooming McSweeney already um, uh, with uh, the second eleven captaincy. So uh, I don't. I just don't think anyone in the in the Test team now is is going to be a long term option. I think it'll be someone from the outside. And McSweeney's definitely uh, one of the best mid um, mid middle order batsmen we've got at the moment, and uh, he's young enough. So I think he'll be certainly. Mm. Uh, looked at uh, for future, future uh, leadership role. Good one, Dale. Fantastic contribution from you. And uh, you're living in a fine part of the world down there in Hobart too. I've got one more for you. Or a couple more. <laughs> Nick Kyrgios will never get inside the top 30 in the world again. Well, some have, him not, some have him not returning to the court. Well, hold me to that. So his highest ranking was 13. He's 28. His last win on tour was well over a year ago. And I just don't think this guy's coming back in any meaningful mm. way. And that's a shame, isn't it? Oh, well, I think it's real, a, shame. a real shame. Yeah, because I, I, look, I love, I don't, I don't rate the guy or the athlete, but I loved watching him. This isn't so. a popular hold me to it, but I think this year will be the last year of a day grand final. And if it doesn't come in uh, twilight in twenty twenty five, and the first year of the new broadcast deal, which is a trigger for these sort of things, I would be absolutely staggered. So Andrew uh, Dillon, first year in, fine. Let's not ruffle too many. Feathers, but then when the broadcast deal comes in for the money that it's coming in for, and I know we've said this before, but it's inevitable, and I think this will be the last one for That's the nostalgia. It's a good hold me to it, that one. All right, uh, we better get to a break because Brett Phillips is going to join us on the other side. Countdown to the Australian Open, the latest results, and how things are looking for the start of the tournament on Sunday down at Melbourne Park. The 40 Wings Temper text is 0433981116. Get your hands on the Temper Pro, it's the most adaptive mattress ever. Temper, a mattress like no other. Kane's exited stage left. Hopefully he returns stage right. Back after this. Breakfast on SEN. Oh, it's all happening in the tennis world in this country. Kane Corns, Kuyong starts today, an iconic event to this day. And we are four days out from the Australian Open starting on a Sunday this year. And all the interest around that international, Adelaide International is on. There's tennis down in Hobart. There's people having a crack at the balls, people having a crack at the scheduling, people having a crack at Tennis Australia. It's all happening. Brett Phillips joins us at the perfect time each and every day, uh, just out of 7.30. How are you, BP? Never a dull moment, Sam. Good morning. Well, what's Roddy and Over done? I saw this. Um, she's unhappy about, uh, was it the scheduling or was it the wild card, wasn't it, that, uh, that she yeah. wasn't given? Yeah, yeah, the wild card. So it, it is a perennial topic at this time of the year, uh, Sam. And I, I would love it to be uh, put to bed, to be uh, totally honest, because uh, a wild card is a bonus. It, you're not entitled to it. Um, it should be seen as, well, thank you very much. You know, like that is that is something that I wasn't expecting. It doesn't get handed out on a silver platter. 
And we have these grievances from Australian players. So every year we've done our own investigations into it at the first serve. We've written feature pieces. We've spoken to players anonymously who didn't want to you know, be in print about their thoughts on wild cards. But, you know, I just think there should be a line in the sand here that the four majors, yes, are separate entities and they have the right to determine their field, right? Those who get direct entry, there's obviously always qualifying spots and then discretionary wild cards. And that's the privilege they have as um, the four tournaments that bring in the most money into the sport. But I disagree with it. I think you get there on your merits. So, for example, our Australian players, we're handing out wild cards to players ranked 200, Mm. 250 in the world who haven't earned the right to be in a Grand Slam. Now, I think those wild cards should just be reserved for former champions. So Osaka, yes, deserving. Angelique Kerber, yes. Caroline Wozniacki, former champions who have had a hiatus out of the game due to injury or, in their case, maternity leave and because they've had the runs on the board. But um, I just think you, you, for our Aussies, I mean, Arena Rodionova... 34 years of age, has never been inside the top 100 and this grievance is about getting a wild card. I mean, you've got to earn your spot. I know she won 78 matches last year and that's brilliant. And hats off to her. She did the hard yards, travelled the world on her own without a coach and got her ranking back to a more respectable uh, situation. But that doesn't, uh, for, for me, entitle you to get a, a wild card into your home slam if you're 110 in the world. So what's the cut-off BP? You, no, and it's a it's a good opinion. It's a strong opinion, and we, that's been the theme of our show this morning. But what's the cutoff? So, say if Kyrgios was fit and mm. he's a huge draw card, his highest ranking is thirteen. He's, he's the Aussie. They're clearly going to hand him a wild card on a platter. Do you support that? Well, there there are players. So there are players who have protected rankings. So if you've been out of the game injured for a period of time, can you you can use that. Uh, protected ranking. You're allowed to use that for X amount of tournaments uh, throughout the year. So when the Australian Open entry list came out, there is a, quite a stack of them. Uh, some of them might get to the line uh, come Sunday, so we might have a couple of late withdrawals. So in his case, um, yes, you can use that protected ranking. But this is where they have the upper hand, don't they? To make a call, he's a draw card, he can get a wild card. Um, mm. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he he's probably a different case because he has been out injured yeah. and he has been to a higher spot in the game. He has been, and that's that's the other bit of but, in the fine print, you put that in. So BP, mm. just for context here, Arena Rodinova lost in qualifying, which she was forced into, so she won't be at Australian Open regardless. I guess her issue was, yeah, she's ranked outside the top 100, but was she not our number one woman as far as the rankings were concerned? And wasn't her main issue the fact that some other wildcard yeah. spots were given to some, some uh, poorer ranked players? Yes, yeah, and then that that is uh, that is you know obviously something she should be disappointed about, no doubt. Um, but you know she's also been around a long time and yeah. uh, had opportunities and been given um, some wild cards across the journey when she's been uh, lower ranked. So I can understand her grievance, but this is the whole thing. I mean, earn your spot, earn your spot. Yeah. It just uh, all the home slams put in the same players every single year who don't actually then follow up, Sam, and progress on the tour. They're still sitting out. And 12 months later, they're still sitting between 100 and 200 or 100 and 250, and they haven't really made any grand. They're given Mm. $120,000 for being in round one. Kuyong starts today, doesn't it? Some big names down there. Oh, big field. It's a good good event, Kuyong. Get along. uh, Obviously, our audience in uh, Melbourne today, uh, Yannick Sinner, our first look, our only look at 
Yannick and his build-up with Darren Cale. Uh, he's a title contender. Sir Andy Murray, uh, Marin Chilich on the comeback trail. Uh, Hol Garuna, you got to watch the young Dane up close. Uh, and Francis Tiafo never disappoints uh, the, the great entertainer. So I know tickets are available. And you're right on top of the players there at Kuyong. So, yeah, good three-day event, which might have a surprise or two. There's always a couple of late entries into Kuyong who are looking for a match. Hey, BP, there's a story in The Age by Chip Legrand today about the impact that Leighton Hewitt has had and um, maybe him being the catalyst as to why we have so many Aussie men inside the top 100. How significant do you think his role has been in that? Yeah, huge. Um, You know, being our Davis Cup captain and part of that, Kane, yes, that that role has been reduced. There's not as many Davis Cup weeks, but... You know, Leighton, uh, like Alicia Mollick on the women's side in the last 10 years, they're watching our players. They're at the big tournaments. They're in their corner. They're not their direct coach, uh, but his influence um, is, you know, just can't be underestimated because he's been there and done that, and that's got to rub off. And his passion, uh, the way he played. So this is the theme. You know, nine Australian men inside the top 100. They're all super competitive. They're cut of... Cut, you know, cut from the good cloth, mm. if I can mm. put it that way. Some are blessed um, with the freakish talent that mightn't take them right to the top echelon, but they're damn competitive, and that's what we want to see, and that's where we want to see our women get to, to have more inside the top 100 who, you know, can really dig deep. Real deja vu with this topic, BP, but I see it's in the news again, the quality of the Dunlop balls, and um, I think Rafa only in Brisbane, maybe early this month, described them as dead. Um What's going on with them? And are they poorer quality or are we making a mountain out of a molehill here? It just depends who you talk to, uh, yeah. Sam. I'm, I'm not going to profess to be a tennis ball aficionado <laughs> uh, in the mechanics of all of that and the fluff and the lack of fluff. They get big, the... apparently. Yeah, well, um, yes. <laughs> yeah, big balls, eh? Hey? <laughs> who would have thought, Sam? Who would have thought? Hey, I, I know, I, I, you I've went there, BP, not me. <laughs> <laughs> I've read uh, the little uh, email from the ATP this morning. They are doing an investigation into the tennis balls to try and get some continuity right throughout the year. And they're also mm. doing, uh, obviously, revising um, and looking at match scheduling as well to make sure that none of us are sitting up at 2am in the morning watching tennis. So there are some things in motion uh, around all that. This morning, we've been having some big opinions and we're going to hold each other to the to the facts of them later on down the line. I said that Ash Barty will play again, BP. And am I going to be made to look foolish on that one? <laughs> yes, Kane. No really? No, no, you're telling me no chance. No, she couldn't be happier. She could, I mean, the thought, there's a nightmare thought of her being in a hotel room anywhere around the world. So I think she's built this beautiful house out of near where the Lions have got their base at Springfield there. She's happy. She's got a beautiful she's 27 baby BP. She's got her she's dogs. Got she's got so plenty of cash left. <laughs> she's very satisfied with okay. life. Not even a Lloyd Christmas chance, uh, Kane, for you. Uh, You're right, I'm wrong. Adelaide International, what's happening there? Do I see Jordan Thompson won again? He's in good form, uh, Tyler. Yeah. I'm a, look, I'm a huge fan of this guy. I remember watching at the wildcard playoff as an 18-year-old over a decade ago, and he was animated, passionate, rolled up his sleeves. He's 29 now, uh, Sam, and you know maybe set for his best year career rankings-wise to get inside that top 40, maybe top 30. He brings such a great IQ to the tennis court. He isn't blessed with the, all that firepower. He's not going to blow you off the court, but, gee, the, the guile, the touch, the thought, you can just see his brain ticking over when you watch him play, and that is going to win him a lot of matches or make him damn competitive. So 
Yeah, he's beaten the Dale this year. He's feeling mm. good. He's super fit. Um, it might be his best year yet. Good on him. BP, super. A great day to get uh, the tournament underway down at Kuyong. Looking forward to that. We'll, we'll chat again soon. Indeed. Thank you, guys. Brett Phillips there. Uh, and, man, for all things tennis, uh, one-stop shop. He is Brett Phillips. Uh, 40 Wings Temper. Keep him coming through. 0433981116. We've got Harvey Lewis coming up out of 8 yep. o'clock. Excited Your man. So maybe after this break, just, just bring us up to speed on who he is, what he's done, how do he's done it. Uh, we'll be back in a, in a moment. Uh, this will be a good interview, I reckon, with Harvey Lewis uh, over in the States coming up out of 8 o'clock. Stick around. Breakfast on SEN. Yes, it is. Quick one here from Will. Uh, he says, Hi, Kane. I'm coming over for the tennis next week from Kingston in South Australia. Where should I take the wife for a romantic dinner? The Port um, Elliott Bakery is your best bet. Oh, come on. Is that where you take? Is that where you no, take loose? I would think Gaucho's is a is a magnificent steak restaurant. Uh, tell Joe that I sent you. So check out Gaucho's in the city. That would be a. He says a he's coming over for the tennis next week. So I'm not sure if he means he's coming to Melbourne. If you are coming to Melbourne, Will, I can oh, recommend I no somewhere idea. like uh, Maha is one of my favourites. Um, sort of um, underground, sort of a, a restaurant, Middle Eastern dining. If you like the amazing food. Try and get yourself into Maha, Will, if you're headed uh, down my way. Now, tell us about Harvey Lewis, please, Kane, and what, why he fascinates you. Well, he has won the Big Backyard Ultra, which was in October. Now, it's the World Championship of Ultra Running. Now, what, what happens here? Runners complete a 4.1-mile loop on the hour, every hour, until there's only one man last, or woman left, le- left standing. Last one standing. Last person standing. So you can start... And you've got to do 4.1 on the hour. So if you you, know, you finish it in 40 minutes, you can rest. rest for 20 minutes and then go again. But he did it for four days. And he covered 450 miles. So that's now, 724 did... or thereabouts kilometers. So he's done so 724. So I did that run. I did 725 from Adelaide to Melbourne, but in 12 days. He's done it in four like he's 40, 47 years of age. So I'm, I I don't know a lot about him. In fact, I don't know much about him at all. I'm interested in how he got into the sport, what has led him to this, the mental side of it, the preparation, how he trained and prepared himself for it. What's it like when you're just waiting for the second last competitor to drop? Are you conscious of that? What communication are you getting? Your, your nutrition, your sleep? There's so much in this. I mean, this is right up my uh, my alley. This. And this is pushing the human body as far as it can be pushed, which is always fascinating. So we're going to have a chat to Harvey. We'll get him up uh, up on the video link on the other side of these news headlines. Nathan Gardner has those. Then, then we're going deep into the world of ultra endurance. Uh, Brett Phillips uh, joined us earlier. Simon Kadich still to come as well. Questions without notice. Breakfast on SEN. Great to have your company, Sam Edmund and Kane Corns with you for Summer Brekkie right here on SEN. Well, Kane, as you touched on before the news, last October, 75 world-class runners stood on a gravel driveway on a cold Saturday morning in rural Tennessee in the US for the last person standing Big Dog's Backyard Ultra Race. Now, a 47-year-old man from Ohio, Ohio, Harvey Lewis, won it. And as you said, he ran 450 miles. So in local language, that's 724 kilometres in four and a half days. Staggering. And he joins us on the line. Hello, Harvey. Thanks a lot for joining us. It's great to be with you guys. Great to see you on the line. I can see you clearly. Now, 
Tell me, Harvey. I'm just going to ask you point blank. What sort of psycho can run 450 <laughs> miles in 450 days? I mean, what is going on in your brain, please? Wow. Uh, you know, you go to places you never dreamed. Uh, when I was a younger man, I, I didn't even know it was possible to run a marathon. You know, so it, it's, it's quite remarkable just uh, how far our human body can actually go when we uh, are, are, are so mentally committed. And your body, it kind of surrenders to your brain at some point when you get, that's what happened to me. Like I say somewhere like on the fourth day, it finally just capitulated and said, okay, we're gonna go with this. And uh, I felt like I got into a zone or like a frequency where I just could go forever. And the, I mean, it's just quite remarkable once the race was finished, you know, I sat down an hour later. Uh, it took some effort from uh, getting a little uh, help with some of my friends to get to the tent. <laughs> so it's because my 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 mind had shut off and it went back to my brain. It, I mean, my body is being in control, and uh, so it's it's remarkable where we could take ourselves in, in such extreme sort of like circumstances. What, what you've achieved is is phenomenal. And I want to get to some of that and your preparation behind it shortly. But t tell me a little bit about yourself. I mean, how did you discover mm. running and where did it all start for you? Yeah, so I, I'm a teacher in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, here in the United States. And uh, I'm actually quite envious of you guys being in the midst of summer right now because we're going to have zero degrees Fahrenheit <laughs> uh, in a few days. But uh, I, I started like uh, just with the marathon, I actually went on a whim. And the furthest I had run up to that point was about 15 kilometers. And I went on a whim and, and, and ran the marathon. This was a long time ago, back when I was in high school. And uh, then after that, I just kept on running the marathon for like five years. And it took me about five years to break five hours in the marathon. And then it took me another uh, 14, 13, 14 years to, to get under three hours in the marathon. So it's kind of wild because my trajectory was, it was a long trajectory. It took me a long time to get to be where I am now. Like uh, it took me 25 years of running ultras before I finally placed in the top 10 list in North America. So it's kind of a crazy, uh, like uh, way, you know, a lot of athletes, they find success in their twenties or the early thirties. And uh, for me, I'm 47 and I'm now like at my you know, period of place where I feel like I'm still growing. So it, it's kind of a remarkable uh, thing with ultra running, going far. Uh, you could continue to develop yourself because a lot of it involves your, you're developing your mind and your strategy as well as your, your physical technique to training. So the sacrifices that you've made, like ultra marathon running is a different beast. Like a marathon program is, is 12 weeks and you get it done and, and you can sort of move on to the next one. Ultras are completely different. And, and this big dog's backyard ultra is, is the grand one of them all. And it's, it's phenomenal. But personally, the sacrifices you've made, you're, you're a teacher. How do you fit in all the training and what does a typical week look like for you? Well, it, my, my week really, it depends on what race I'm training for. So I usually have like four A races across a year. I might race 10 times. And uh, the races I like to do are very different. So I have one in uh, the summertime. It's called the Badwater 135. It's in the hottest place on the planet. It's about 50 degrees Celsius. 
So for that race, it's on uh, pavement and it goes from the lowest point to the highest point in the lower 48. We actually have quite a lot of Australians that come and run this race. You know, Aussies do really well coming from a, a dry, hot environment. So that, for that race, I'm doing a lot of like preparation on the road and like doing heat training. But right now I'm preparing for a race called the Barkley Marathons. Mm. So I'm doing a lot. The Barkley is a race. It's the toughest trail race in the world. It involves like running off trail two thirds of the time, finding these books that are hidden in the woods. And so I've been doing a lot of off trail training. So after school yesterday, I went and ran up and down like the power line hills in our city, like uh, where there's no people and just woods in the darkness for about two hours and a half. And, uh, you know, it just ranges depending on whatever event I'm doing. That's one of the exciting things about ultras is there are like more than a dozen different formats that are totally different. You can go and run on a, a track in Adelaide. You can go up and do like Dead Cow Golly up in Queensland, which is amazing. Or you can go do like some uh, race that stretches between cities in Australia. So it's, it's so cool. There's so many different ways you can like uh, dive in and may you may ask a question like why the hell are you doing <laughs> why would you want to put your body through like days and days of like uh, this sort of challenge but really like uh, I think it the, the attraction with the ultras is it it's like uh, you dive into a deeper level of like this uh, sort of like uh, spirituality also like uh, there's there's a it, it, it's like there's a levels that you can't connect to in like the 5k race or the half marathon or the marathon that it puts you into a zone that is like sort of a primal uh sort of like a out of body experience almost uh it's, it's kind of a wild wild thing speaking of harvey lewis he's from ohio in the u.s he's an ultra marathon i mean i've sent that to you came the barkley marathons you know there's in, over here harvey there's a documentary on it um on apple tv here and it's it's sold as the barkley marathons the race that eats its young it sounds absolutely <laughs> brutal but i want to come back to the big dog with you here harvey because you're doing it's a last man last person standing affair so the mindset for you and the strategy and the games that are being played to psych out your opposition because you're on a loop. I mean, what went into that? You mentioned out of body, but you must have had the clarity at certain times to try to psych out, you know, some of the best runners in the world in this particular format. Yeah, yeah. You you really, uh, so much of it is psychological, so you never want to show any weakness. Good so yeah, I would never say any like thing like uh, I'm complaining about something. So uh, you always physically want to look as well as you can, which that didn't always work. I mean, there, were, there was a lap where I had blood, blood all over myself because I had nosebleed. I looked like I'm like, I think half the time last thought I was going to die, <laughs> the race director. But um, the truth is, is that, yeah, you really have to keep your mind positive. And always in life, we're going to be struck with challenges. And like negative negative experiences could hit us, but like finding a way to make uh, to keep it positive, to find the silver lining in the cloud, you know, you, it, it's critical. So I mean, with with uh, Biggs, I wasn't able to sleep until the fourth day, and then the fourth night, I finally started to sleep for like one minute, two minutes every hour in the nighttime loops. And then on the fifth day, I was able to sleep for one or two minutes during the daytime a couple of times. 
So I only got less than 20 minutes of sleep for like four and a half days, which uh, in day one and two, I was really, really tired because before the race, even I only got three hours of sleep because I was so excited about the race. My mind was running. Uh, so I had to really uh, focus my mind and not let myself be defeated by the fact that the odds look uh, stacked against me. So I had to like always put a reason for what's my why for doing this and like keep my myself positive. Having a really good crew chief was really important. My, my buddy, Judd Poindexter, who was helping me. And like, the same goes for everyone listening. Like having someone in your life that you can like, you know, just get positive energy and like relay ideas and give, get ideas from them. It, it's so critical to our success, whatever we're, we're pursuing. I read about your training. You, you, you mentioned you're a, you're a teacher and you would uh, get out the yoga mat at, at lunchtime and, and try and teach yourself to fall asleep quickly. As you mentioned, it didn't, didn't quite work because there, there's the yoga mat. He's holding it up for those listening on the radio. Yeah. And, uh, the, the, the students think you're crazy. Yeah, I don't, I don't let them see me sleeping. <laughs> At lunch today, I even had to sleep for like four minutes. It was amazing. I was so tired. I like laid down four minutes, bam, got back up, ready to go. You know, so, uh, you know, it, it's kind of wild. The, with the, uh, that particular race, Biggs, uh, yeah, overcoming sleep deprivation is a major thing. And in the fourth night, like we were, um, I was running with another runner, John, and like we had run for six hours at one point, and we both said, looked to each other and said, how long have we been running? We thought we were only running for like two hours uh, on the, the road loop at night. It turned out we were running for like five or six hours, so we totally forgot like four hours. <laughs> so you, you, there was an Aussie that was there. It was fantastic running in our, our group, and I, I forget which one, who it was. But he was really getting delirious on the fourth night. So we would, a lot of times we would kind of team up with different runners and try to keep people moving forward. Mm. We, we did have like seven or eight runners finish together amongst the 22 to finish at 300 miles. So that was fun. Tell me about your nutrition. I mean, you're, you're a slight man, as you can imagine, when you're running that sort of uh, distance. But you're a vegan, which you've credited a lot of your success to. But how did you structure your nutrition in, in Big Dogs? Yeah, so really like the, the plant-based foods are the easiest for our body to digest quickly. And so I can digest more calories faster without getting an upset stomach. Um, you do have to like practice a bit of this. Like I suggest people if they're doing some sort of long event to practice eating what they're going to like run with on the race day. But uh, I would eat like uh, simple things like coconut water and electrolyte drinks and coca-cola at night uh but i would have like watermelon like lentil soups uh pastas i uh, had wraps with like hummus and avocado and like uh rice and beans simple things that are usually pretty easy to digest uh, and then if it was really really hot out i would i would like uh cut back on like the solid items and, and be eating more things like uh, squeezable fruits, uh, coconut mm. water, the you know things that are easier to eat in hotter temperatures. 
I wanted to ask you just quickly, Arby, what your sleeping strategy when you went into it? I mean, so it's an interesting event. You've got a period of time to obviously complete the, the circuit. Like, had you planned to regularly sleep or was the plan always to be go as hard as you could, as early as you could and just catch up on the sleep later? Yeah, definitely. I was hoping to like be consistent with sleeping. You know, so it, it, the plan didn't go as I wanted. Uh, yeah, I ended up like uh, the first night I was finishing my loops with enough time to get like eight minutes laying right. down. I just laid down there with my eyes shut. And you believe it or not, it's kind of amazing, but the human body can get about more than 50% recovery, which is lying there with your eyes shut. It's not the same as actually falling asleep, but there is some benefit to it. So the first three days did not go as I had hoped they would go, uh, but I wasn't going to let that stop me from winning. Amazing. <laughs> Just amazing, Kane. And Harvey, we're going to follow your journey from afar here. I know Kane already does, but I'm converted now. And uh, sounds as like you've, you've got no plans at all to slow down. So um, uh, admire what you're doing. Kane, I know you're, you're a big fan. Oh, a big fan. Just, just one final one. Can anyone enter or is there, do you have to qualify for this? For bigs or? Bigs. Yeah, so in, in Kane and Sam, it has been a blast seeing you. I appreciate it so much. Love to come back. Yeah, the the uh, the bigs race, you it is an at large. So what what we got here is our people qualify for their country. Uh, so Vietnam, let's say like South Korea, Japan, uh, they they can have a champion for their country, but also people can get in at the at large list, meaning that if they cover uh, let's say like if you cover like uh, 500 kilometers or maybe it's like 420 kilometers, then you would qualify to be on the at-large list. They just take the top 75 runners in the world for the furthest distance. And Australia, to be honest with you, is second only to the United States. Um, like uh, the, Australia has, has a lot of really talented runners coming into this event. I think we had some like eight Aussies there. And uh, mm. to be honest with you, the, the, one of the biggest events that happens in the world next to Big's Backyard is Ooh. Dead Cow Golling. Oh, sorry about that. It's in my school. Oh, uh, <laughs> Dead, Dead Cow Golly is uh, happening up in Queensland. And they have a purse of 10,000 Australian. Uh, they have, I believe, about 300 runners running in the race this coming May. So oh, it's yeah. going to be a really incredible race happening locally in Australia. And definitely from that race will be like some some individuals that that end up at bigs. Nice. So I, I, they're 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 growing. There's now over 400 of these races in 73 countries. So love to see some of your uh, listeners uh, go for it. Harvey, great to chat. Thanks for taking the time out of your day, mate. And uh, all the very best with it. Uh, uh, we've loved having you on this morning. Hey, uh, I really appreciate it, Sam. And thanks, Kane, so much, you guys. Good on you. Harvey Lewis there. I love it. Uh, American ultra runner in every sense. Just completed and won Big Dog's Backyard Ultra Race over there in the US. Unbelievable, Kano. Let's get to this, man. Breakfast on SEN. Well, yes, it is. Got a text here from Dave. Morning, boys. Thanks for speaking to Harvey. What a legend. I'm an experienced ultra runner, but I'm three weeks away from doing my first Backyard Ultra here in Melbourne. I'm pumped. That's Dave out in North Ball. They're built differently, aren't they? Oh. But from the mind, from the mind out. Oh my goodness! What Didn't a, sleep for three days. That's that's extraordinary. And then he said he, he slept for sixty seconds. So micro sleeps, which obviously have, and he said they're not even falling asleep, is proven to be 
beneficial in terms of you can get half your energy. I mean, the, the learning curve for something like that would be yeah. immense. Uh, we were we were watching him on a on a Zoom link. You couldn't have seen that, but he, he practices sleeping on his yoga mat in the classroom when the kids are at recess or lunch and he pulled out the yoga mat to show us and he's trying to train himself. Yeah, not much not much of him. Um, forty seven years of age and still doing something that physically and challenging. Can Honestly, I say, it's it's, expi- it's inspiring. It is, but can I say I'm not sure what I expected to see. He didn't look like what He'd achieve, you know what, what I mean? He, he didn't. Did, he yeah. didn't have a face befitting of what I thought it would be. I thought he'd have a grizzly, hard, rusted on. Man, I, I, seriously, he looked no, as he inoffensive. Looked like as a, he looked like a school teacher. He, well, he did. Didn't he he like, did look. Funnily enough, he is one. But stereotypical school teacher. Sort of a Jekyll and Hyde sort of a personality there to go out because there were stories in that race of him looking like death out on the loop. But when he came back through the start finish, where he knew some of his competitors were, he'd basically sprint to mm. psych them out. And then he'd go back into back into his state. Just to just to just little tricks here and there, Kane, of course. A um quick question without notice for you. Dan Bredig wrote a piece in the age yesterday about the push for four day test matches. No. To try and it's a no it's a quick one. Well what it didn't even let me explain what's it. What's the theory? <laughs> well, most of the test matches now are over yeah. inside four days. They don't sell tickets past the, the fourth mm. day. Um, yes, there's some weather complications from time to time, but you can make up for those lost overs with earlier starts and late finish. Mm. Would it encourage a, a more attacking tactics, early declarations? Would it revitalise Test cricket somewhat? I'm, I think it's a yes. Yeah, for it's, me. Wor- it's worth. Yeah, it's a good point, isn't it? Now that I think about it properly, but then you'd hate to rob a. You do get those when Australia's playing England, India mm. are in town. You, you need the five days sometimes, but I suppose. You're chasing really? the chasing really? the win, yeah. Chasing the win, then you just you, you you tailor it to suit, don't you? You adjust your tactics, yeah. Um, and then yeah, it might be a good way to get those over rates up. Exactly. Um, David Warner is hopeful of competing in the Big Bash for the Sydney Thunder this Friday. Now, the only problem for David, it's against the Sixers. It's a nighttime uh, kickoff. Is that his brother's getting married in the Hunter Valley? The only way David Warner can get there is via a chopper. Now he's not sure how long the reception goes for, or the ceremony, and all that sort of stuff. He needs a he needs a, a chopper from Cessnock. Would it not be wise for Davey just to enjoy his brother's wedding and just play another big bash game? What, what? Yeah, probably. If you what? left Chad's wedding early, helicopter to to do a marathon, I can't imagine uh, Chad would be too happy. And they've missed so many BBL games over the journey. So, so was it Peter Hudson that caught yep. a chopper? The Waverley. <laughs> yep. And what Dave Warner said, I've got a couple of aircraft booked pending weather. So, sorry, bro. Oh, I'm off. I hate helicopters. I just, <laughs> very reluctant helicopter flyer. I've been in a couple. Yeah. They are amazing, though, aren't they? They're, they're, they're amazing innovation. But as I said to you the other day, a couple of rules in life. Don't get in a plane with one pilot. And often helicopters only have the one pilot. What happens if something happens to them? You've got to fly the thing yourself. Yeah. Is there a pilot on board? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Paul's in Yamba. Uh, Paul, the Blues, Michael Voss, welcome to you. Oh, g'day, guys. I just can't tell you how pleased I am to hear this news as a Blues mm. fan. I'm surprised it's taken so long. Um, I thought the negotiations and the word would have come as soon as, you know, the finals quest ended. But great news for the club. Um, I think it's everyone's right behind him. So positive. Yep. Like yeah, if, po- you're just, if you're just joining us, Sammy Edmund broke the, the news at 7 o'clock this morning that more than likely Michael Voss will be signed 
by the Blues before round one, and those negotiations are ramping up. I'm with you. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Paul. I think it's an excellent decision. It gives the club stability. I think he's proven himself through a raft of challenges. It's only year three. Most coaches get five years as it stands, and they're a genuine premiership contender, so make things as stable as you possibly can. And, um, yeah, they can have a genuine qu- uh, crack at, at winning it, which I think is a possibility. Thanks for the call, Paul. Just before we get into the newsroom with Nathan Gardner, a question without notice. What is that can you've been drinking there behind you? Because oh, it's too early is, for anything sort of fizzy, surely. an excellent little watermelon flavoured <laughs> Mount is... Franklin lightly sparkled <laughs> can of soda water. Jeez, you like cracked that? that one early, didn't you? A yeah, bit of fizz early. It, wouldn't, it wouldn't have been my usual choice for this early. I've been drinking electrolyte water, but um, I, I ran out of electrolytes, so I went with the... Right. But it's a nice touch. Okay, I'll look that Anything one up. watermelon flavoured, I'm a, I'm a bi- it's a big yes from me. So Lightly sparkled. Look at you. Yep. Magnificent. All right, we'll get into the newsroom on the other side. Might fit a couple more questions of that notice in. Simon Kadich is going to join us. SEN cricket expert uh, will count down, of course, to the, to the windies. All the relevant questions around uh, Steve Smith, most likely to be confirmed today, open, opening the batting for Australia with Cam Green back into the squad. Nathan Gardner's got the headlines. We'll be back soon. Yes, the pipe's back in town. All is right in the world. Uh, Kane, I could have predicted this uh, because people didn't like it when the footy games got shortened. They said it's part of it. It's the examination now. Not a lot of feedback uh, on a positive Not front a for, the, for the test being shortened to four days. But if, if a test is a five-day thing, as we're being reminded off the 40 Wings temper text, um, if we do away with a five-day test, what, what would we call it? I mean, I, I'm going for assessment. So Australia have got an upcoming assessment series against the West Indies. Just an abbreviated test. I don't know why there would be <laughs> as much objection to that. I, I think it sort of makes sense. Well, Dave in Longwari, uh, four-day test cricket would have made every test in the Pakistan away to a, a draw. Every test went the five days. So in well, that you, part you of the world, you say that. You geez, say that, slog. but. Yeah, no, and then he mentioned that in the article. Sometimes when uh, in in different nations the mm. the light is a factor and the conditions are a factor, you say that. But wouldn't that mean tactics are adjusted and are more aggressive? You might score quicker, you might declare earlier, and things would be would be different. Which is, I think, what we want to try and breathe some life back into to this format of the game. Now, this is more a statement without notice, but congratulations to you today because I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but today might be the first day out of our th- uh, almost three days together where your toilet run has been a success over there and you've <laughs> made it back on time. And I know we joke about this often, but it seriously is in a bunker through a labyrinth of hallways and doorways, and you've actually managed today. And I know when you run off because the listeners can hear the door slam before no, I've, I've a, even got to the i got a confession to make. It's, it's actually not a toilet break. It's a coffee break. What? It's a coffee break. So the last Sometimes, two days you've come back? Yeah, late from a coffee Hang on, the kitchenette break. there so, is just out one door. Yeah, I'm not going to go for the, the little Nescafe little pod. Oh, hang on. I've got this magnificent coffee shop. What, you got a drip filter going or something? About 200 metres You're running away, outside. And I run outside to the coffee shop and they are that good. They can usually make me my large almond latte extra hot inside five minutes, which is what we've got. But they've just, I mean, we're all adjusting to getting back to work in January. Oh, they've just been a, a little bit, of bit slow. But today they were right on time, weren't they? they? Were. I made it back with with plenty of time. Here today, I was so. thinking you'd go into the can and you're off no, down no, the street. I'm going to, I'm going to get my coffee. 
Gee, that's Vanilla just delayed at a barn me and a coffee. Yeah, you're getting your barn me and you got your sparkling mineral water. Look at you all set up. Uh, we better get to a break. On the other side, Simon Kadich, hopefully today is uh, is able to join us. We'd love his wisdom and expertise as we talk test cricket in between the Pakistan and the West Indies series and a big change to the batting order, of course, to be confirmed today. Back in a moment. Breakfast on SEN. Welcome back. Simon Kadic played 56 tests for his country, 45 ODIs as well. And conveniently for us this morning, Kane, he made his name as an opening bat. He now, of course, does some fine work behind the mic for us right here at SEN. Simon, welcome along. Great to have you. Good morning, guys. Well, after all the conjecture, we're nearly there. And if the reports are correct, the great Steve Smith is about to embark on a big role change with the bat or cut right to the chase, Simon. Is, is it the right call? Well, I felt that um, Cameron Green would get the nod. I'm not sure whether he's going to be in that squad or not. But, um, yeah, look, if, if Steve Smith's put his hand up for it, he's obviously the, the best credential player in that lineup to um, to take on a new ball. I mean, when he had a little bit of a lull a couple of years ago, you know, batting at four, the, the engine room up top were doing the job. And it looked like he, he found it hard coming in when we were probably... You know, two for 300, particularly mm. against the West Indies last year and, and a couple of years ago against Pakistan when they toured. So, look, if he's up to it and it gives him a new challenge, then, yeah, I've certainly got no issue with it because um, he finds a way to adapt to different roles. And the thing about it is, you know, you have to bat at some stage. It's just obviously mm. when you're batting in the middle order, you come out against maybe a 20 or 30 overall ball. Whereas when you're opening, you're out there right from the word go and you get straight into it. So at least you know when you're batting. And I found from experience that... You actually um, use less nervous energy sitting around waiting to bat because if you win the toss and bat, you know you're straight out there and get into it. And you know you've got a job to do to lay a foundation for the team. And that's something that you know Steve Smith's done for so many years batting at four. Um, but if he's keen to do it in the hierarchy, if it's the right move, then uh, I've got no issue with it. And we see, Cat, uh, sometimes runs are easier to come by when you open because fields are aggressive, the ball is hard. And if one thing he struggled a little bit with, it's his strike rate and he hasn't been that fluent with his batting. Do you think that could be an upside for him as well? Yeah, look, there's no doubt the whole dynamic's different because teams and opposition captains are very reluctant to start with one slip and, you know, when you've got a brand new ball, whereas you're always confronted with three slips in a gully and, and maybe a short leg and, and you've got these attacking fielders, which... You know, if the bowler gets it wrong, you've got all these great scoring opportunities. And, you know, we saw that in the way David Warner played for so long at the top of the order. And, you know, I don't think there's any reason why Steve Smith can't adapt. Um, yes, he's had, you know, a quieter summer, but he's still got starts pretty much in all the test matches. He just hasn't converted. And that's probably the, the change we're seeing in Steve Smith is that he's had to work harder for his run because teams have come up with better plans to him. And then, uh, you know, he hasn't quite had that rhythm with his hands and his feet, which is a huge part of his batting. So much debate, so much written and um, said, Simon, in recent times around the future of Test cricket and, and how many countries are actually invested or, or at least able to uh, to execute and, um, and perform over the course of, you know, four and five days at, at a high level to provide competitive matches. The debate over the length of Test Series, we are talking about it earlier before you joined us, and maybe four days could be a way to go. Do we keep it at five? I mean, how do you see the bigger picture of, of the longest format of the game? Yeah, look, I've got concerns like a lot of people have, um, particularly, you know, particularly when you see some of the nations not put, uh, putting their best team out in the park, and we're obviously going to see that with South Africa coming up. Although saying that, you know, the team that got resold the other day by 
India um, was their best team. And yet the team that comes out in New Zealand, who knows, they might all be hungry and keen to grab their opportunity playing for South Africa. So you just never know in this game. But the, the concern I have is that... Um, you know, there's a big gap between the top couple of teams now and, and you know, going down to sort of 8, 9, 10. Uh, the World Test Championship's providing context, but it's still not, you know, even because it's quite skewed when you look at the amount of tests certain countries are playing in the World Test cycle. And I mean, Pakistan, a great example, only play another nine tests now until 2025, which is just not enough for a, a good, young, developing team. If you look at the last two tests in particular, um, Boxing Day and Sydney, two great test matches. So... If teams are playing in the right fashion, which I think the, the modern players are, then you know the players are, are going to keep Test cricket alive if the top ones are prepared to play it and not um, forego Test cricket for the riches of T20. And w- w- our guys are great examples of that. I mean, no better example than say Mitchell Stark or even Davy Warner in the past, and you know these sorts of guys that can do both. But Mitchell Stark's a great example. He's only just going back to the IPL after about six hiatus and he's prioritised test cricket so um, yeah hopefully hopefully you know the, what we're seeing is it's still yes it's test cricket but a lot of them are only going four days anyway so I don't know whether they have to actually shorten it or not or whether they just extend the hours but I think the way the modern players are playing the game it's it's in fast forward anyway. Mm. You mentioned uh, Cameron Green we had a call with Jeff earlier on in the program and he said he he thinks he's going to go the same way as Stephen Smith, who was an all-rounder when he first started. He thinks Green's bowling will go by the wayside. Would that be uh, disappointing? And how would you use Green with the ball, considering Marsh is in there as well as an all-rounder? Yeah, look, it's hard to compare the two of them because Steve Smith became so obsessed with being the best batsman he possibly could. And bowling leg spin to pace is obviously a big difference because it's, it's such a hard art to master. And I think... The toll it takes, and both of them obviously, the toll it takes in your body to try and be genuine or ours is is one of those things that you know Cameron Green will have to weigh up. But I think because Steve Smith wanted to be you know as good as he possibly could with the bat, and he's done that, um, the bowling fell away. Because I remember playing with him when he was a kid for New South Wales, and he bowled very good leg spin. I mean, we had mm. fields where it was warning light fields at the SCG, and one day against South Australia, he got eight for, and he just was bowling these absolute ripping leggies, but. In terms of Cameron Green, his best numbers for WA are batting at four, average of 64. I think he'll be better suited to batting higher up the order. Uh, he's still only a kid at 24. He's got plenty to learn, but I see him as being a long-term test player for Australia. So wherever they think, if he does get picked and if he does come in, whether it's opening or whether it's batting at four, I think he's better suited to that um, compared to six. Having done six, it's it's a tough spot because you get caught with potentially the, the tail end of the innings and, you know, situations where you're just chasing quick runs and that doesn't always sell to um, to be able to play long innings, which, you know, is what a young player needs to develop at test cricket. So, um, but he's, he's bowling. I hope it doesn't fall away because we've seen in previous years, you know, even if he only bowls eight to ten overs a day, much like Mitch Marsh at the moment, those eight or ten overs in the right conditions are good enough to take a wicket or two here and there with his pace and bounce. And mm. um, he is a genuine all-rounder when you look at his numbers, averaging 30 with both. And you know, there's not too many players in Test cricket that can do that. But I think his batting numbers will go up in time once he gets more and more comfortable in that lineup and, and more experience. Hey, Solomon, just on the bowling front, obviously, as far as the quicks go, we know it's Stark, Cummins and uh, Hazelwood as the established trio and fair enough. But... W- 
we're all relatively fearful about what we're going to get against the West Indies just coming back to that test match concern and the future of the format. Would you like to see one or both of Scotty Boland and Lance Morris just get a look uh, against the West Indies, a, a, perhaps a chance to, to at least give them some exposure again? Yeah, look, it would be nice. The problem they've got now is because the big bash has been on for the last month, they wouldn't have had it. Well, they haven't had a lot of red mm. ball bowling, so they're mm. only bowling twenty-four balls a night. So, and they've had a couple of games each. So, yeah, it may. I mean, obviously they've been bowling the nets and all that, but um, it's different compared to coming in off shield cricket and, and having gotten through twenty-five overs a day. But look, it's a tricky one because I understand why the hierarchy are sticking with the same team because they want to win the World Test Championship again. Um, it's only a two-year cycle, so it comes down quick, and every test match counts. So I think the hard part about all of this is that the guys that are doing the job have earned that right over a long period of time. The tricky part is is that if they are looking to the future, you know, will there be opportunities? And you, you're guessing because it comes down to injury or maybe a lack of form, although these three and Nathan Lyon are, are some of our all-time greats. So... Mm. Form's never really an issue with any of them because they're all so consistent. So, yes, it'd be nice to see Lance or, or Scotty Boland get another run, but I can't see it happening unless there's a niggle after the Adelaide mm. test. Yep, and they're going beautifully, the quicks, no doubt about it. Hey, Simon, great to have you on, mate. Really appreciate it, as always. Thanks for donating your time and look forward to the next couple of tests at uh, the Adelaide Oval and the Gabba. My pleasure, guys. There's Simon Cadditch there, a player turned commentator, of course, with us right here on SEN. Uh, <laughs> hold me to it. Uh, I'm looking forward to the way this is cut up by the digital team, uh, Kane, for you. Uh, me too, but more so you. I logged on to news.com this morning, and there's all sorts of uh, fallout from our show yesterday. <laughs> which would, but I don't think I don't think we've got ourselves into any trouble. For those that missed it, you can catch up on the podcast. But our thoughts on what may happen next year. I've just got just got one final one. Go on. Um, so the review at the Dogs is fascinating me, and surely they must be on the hours away from releasing those findings of the review, which started on November 13th oh, to their a, fans. It's imminent. At least one of, hold me to this, Chris Grant or Luke Beveridge will depart in 2024. Oh, gee, that's a big Hold one. me to that. Okay, I, I will. I will do I'm that. Sure Some of all is that... <laughs> <laughs> Not sure all is that well between between those two. A couple of ones left over from the text before we take our final break. Nick Dacos will be tagged heavily, won't have as good a season. Elder okay. you and Harry Sheasel, says Craig, will both poll more Brownlow votes than Jason Horn Francis. That's aimed at you. Ben <laughs> maybe Simmons. T- maybe together. <laughs> well, that's what he's saying, I think. Uh, ben Simmons will never play for Australia um, again, coming off the, the text. Uh, all sorts of uh, feedback coming through. Hold me to it. Harvey Gallagher will be a star at the Dogs this year, says Brian, down in the Mornington Peninsula oh, there. I like it. Like it. That was good fun, Kane. Good job. Um, and a great idea. We're powered by Kubota here. For over 40 years, we're making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. Julian DeStoop's floating around. He's going to join us next. Big uh, edition of Mornings coming up.